0: Welcome to Plato's Cave. I'm Jordan Myers, and I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. You're listening to a reading group episode of the show, which means that in this episode, I discuss the paper, The Importance of Free Will, by Susan Wolf, with three non-philosopher friends, Adam, Giffen, and Brian, because philosophy shouldn't just be for philosophers. And so, this episode is a continuation of the Moral Responsibility and Free Will series, and... This episode was really spawned by the previous uh, discussion of Tamler Summers' uh, The Objective Attitude. Um, One paper or one view that he pushes back against very strongly in that paper is this view put forth by Susan Wolf uh, talking about the psychological and moral importance of a belief in free will or the expression of what uh pf strawson coins the reactive attitudes so this is in a lot of ways kind of a follow-up on the previous episode and if you haven't listened to that one i would strongly recommend doing it and this was a follow-up on that episode both um intellectually but also in several ways emotionally i think um adam myself and giffen specifically came into this kind of charged a bit from the previous disagreement um and we, you know, verbally sparred quite a bit in this episode. I think it was a great episode. Um, I think this is an amazing paper. I really, you know, benefited in my understanding from from this discussion from this episode. So I hope that you enjoy it as well. And with that preamble out of the way, here is our discussion of Susan Wolf's paper, The Importance of Free Will. Okay, nice. <clears throat> All right. Well. <laughs> I know. I mean, Adam and I were talking a little bit before you guys joined the Skype call, but well, <laughs> Zoom call um, about this paper. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually really excited to get into it because I need to figure out exactly what I think about it still. Um, and the paper in question is The Importance of Free Will by Susan Wolf. And we're doing this because it was quoted at length in The Objective Attitude by Tamler Summers, which we did last time. and. Well, it's interesting because the parts of the paper that he quote are obviously extremely relevant to the paper, but they give a, at least in my opinion, a different impression of what the paper will be. Um, And I have extremely mixed and probably muddled thoughts about it. But Adam, I'll let you ask the question to the group that you had previously asked and I cut you off.
1: Oh, yeah. But I I mean, I was just interested to know uh, what we thought of the paper generally. Did people like the paper?
0: (laughs) So I'll, I guess I'll answer first. Yes, but with a weird kind of asterisk on it, because I don't know to what extent I, I really don't know to what extent I agree with. I know there are some parts of the paper that I very, very strongly agree with. And there are other parts where I don't think I agree with, but it's not, more of, it's not as much a disagreement as opposed to a different style of agreement. But I don't know. So that's my answer. I enjoyed
2: it.
3: I don't, I don't really think there was any part of this paper that I disagreed with. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what you have to say, Jordan. Um, okay. And then I I overall just really enjoyed her style of writing. Well, was...
0: That's interesting. Can I ask you a question about that, Brian? Because mm-hmm. sure. I'm just curious. I mean, we'll get into it. But like you said that you didn't really find anything to disagree with in this paper. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the previous paper by Summers was uh really kind of going against this paper was this like a change of heart for you or do you not see the papers as being in conflict uh i think it was a change of heart after the after our discussion with some i i think
3: that honestly the discussion about the summer uh, paper kind of broke down towards the end there and it was difficult to tell where people were sitting afterwards but uh yeah i think i just
4: had a change of heart okay that makes sense giffen um I think it was totally worth reading, especially because, like we mentioned, the objective attitude the the Somers paper is almost it is quoted at length at the beginning and also just in general seems (coughs) to be styled as a response to it. So Mm -hmm. it was totally worth the read. I thought it was like worth reading, Um, but I didn't find myself in that level of agreement with her um, as you guys
0: for sure. Interesting. Just just uh, which is probably believable. Point of reference. It's Somers, not Somers. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. My apologies. Somers. Uh, But yeah, the Summers paper is directly responding to this one, I mean, in conjunction with Nagel, as we obviously went over, but that was written in 2007. And this is an extremely formative and hugely cited. Um, Adam and I were talking about how many uh, edited volumes this paper has appeared in. It's like a crazy amount. Um, And this was written in published in 1981 in mind where really, I mean, you know, the seventies and eighties were the explosion of moral responsibility and free will papers in philosophy. Um, Okay. So, so, okay. I really want to just kind of move through this paper because I need to figure out really kind of what I think about it and what the paper is saying and and what it's not and how it's saying what it's saying. So, so, okay, I'm just going to, there's kind of a tabling. It's the second paragraph of the paper, um, just to kind of lay it out. She says in this paper, I shall argue that the justification of these practices, these practices being moral responsibility practices, need not rest on the assumption that we do have free will and that the conclusion that we don't have free will gives us no reason at all to abandon these practices. My argument, however, seems to me to leave both the problem and its importance intact. The thought that our wills may not be free is no less disturbing, even when all ties to the justification of our practices are completely and irrevocably severed. So just 30,000 foot view, as the title implies, she's implying that um, the threat of determinism has no implications for the practices of reactive and objective attitudes and that um, these practices are remained intact by scaffolding that she'll continue to lay out but the scaffolding is really what I have some questions about but. um, Let me just read the skip another paragraph and then I'll read this one this gives a bit of the layout of the paper so she says. I shall begin by outlining a naive attempt at expressing the fears of those who find the problem of free will upsetting and a naive response by those who think that the problem of free will gives us nothing to worry about. This expression of fear and the response to it constitute a first stage of debate, which focuses on the justification of our practices that overt of overt Uh, reward and punishment. The inadequacies at this stage of the argument suggest a way of advancing to a deeper stage, which focuses not only on the overt practices themselves, but on the attitudes of these practices typically express, Uh, proceeding by way of two analogical cases I shall argue that these attitudes too are safe from the threat of being undermined by reason and metaphysics. Nonetheless, I think that feelings of dissatisfaction may reasonably remain. I shall finally attempt to express what I take to be the appropriate focus of these feelings. So I think that that's a nice way of, uh, of really laying it out. And so, (laughs) okay, so let's, let's, kind of move through the paper really a little bit linearly here so the first kind of thing that i thought was important to get on the table is just a recap from strawson um she sets up the debate you know she's gonna find she's gonna refer to the group um this is the first sentence of the next section i shall hereafter refer to the group who find the problem of free will upsetting as the pessimists and the pessimists include all those who believe first that whether or not we have free will depends on which metaphysical hypotheses are true. And second, that it is not unlikely that the wrong metaphysical hypotheses are true. Now, the not unlikely, it's like a triple negative. Because uh, <clears throat> at first I thought that she was saying the pessimists were libertarians. Um, but actually, I think she's saying they're sort of hard determinists. Um, because so, so I this is, a it's a little,
1: of, it's a little different than that. though right.
0: Well, it's mm. like,
1: it's, it's, they're saying that in the sense that, that, they're, that the idea of determinism is not unlikely untrue, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, they're not, you know, gonna <clears throat> put all their chips down necessarily on that idea, but it seems sure. that
0: that sure. seems to be the
1: way things are going.
0: Yeah. So the, this was the problem is, is that, I mean, in 1981, like I know a lot of these positions just like get really well defined after this, but a lot of kind of my early questions were about specifically who's being addressed and what parts. And it, it seems like because, I mean, you're right about that, where she's she's making like a um, um, almost like a probabilistic claim on their behalf. Right. But but I kind of feel as though the target of that. Would be someone like a Dirk Paraboom or a Galen Strassen, right? Um, someone who's like quote unquote like a hard incompatibilist. Like, you know, they, they would say that, yeah, whether or not we have free will or not depends on metaphysical hypotheses. That's a libertarian or a hardcore skeptic. And then they're just saying, no, they're probably not true. Uh, well, I, that actually wouldn't apply to Galen because I know Galen Strassen is—he thinks that it that determinism isn't actually relevant because it's incoherent both ways. Um, Which you mean? She, you, mean w- you mean P.F. No, than Galen. No, Ga- Galen. Well, sorry, I shouldn't get into it. Galen actually thinks um, that even if we were causa sui, like even if determinism weren't true, it wouldn't actually matter. Like moral responsibility practices still wouldn't make any sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, but, but, but basically, so the, so the pessimist is someone who says we don't have metaphysical free will and what, what we would need certain metaphysical conditions to be true. And those probably aren't true. So for the, for the purposes of the paper, it's essentially like a, a, a free will skeptic. Right. Okay. Yeah, totally. And then she brings these in who. Uh, are contrasted with the optimists who are compatibilists now a lot of the same, I mean, she, she explicitly cites, um, Strawson's paper and honestly a lot of the same kind of questions I have about what constitutes being a a compatibilist versus a hard incompatibilist actually means, because it seems like she says that certain things are only open to the optimists, which seem open to both. Um, but but that I mean it's not really the point of the paper and I don't want to kind of nitpick about it. Um, I mean, it's just optimi-
1: like the optimist is like more about like perspective, right? Like they both sort of yeah. like fundamentally agree that it seems as though the arguments for determinism seem sufficient, but it's like yes. how they both kind of view what follows from that. Almost yeah. like, the pass- like the pessimist has there's well we'll get into it, but has mm-hmm. sort of a. Um, almost like a lingering need for something more while the optimist seems content with the reasons, you know, put forward that justify behavior and attitude. Yeah. Even in the light of
0: determinism being true. Well, and it, so it seems like she eventually kind of develops this point, but it seems to me also that in her locution, the optimist's, have to end up being more than just consequentialists about these things. Yes. Right. The, yes. So, which which I which I agree with. I mean like in terms of um in terms of how the camps should be organized. Like for there to be a meaningful difference between a moral responsibility skeptic and a compatibilist, you have to be extra consequential about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you know,
1: okay. I, I I agree with
0: that. Okay. Okay. Because otherwise I, I just don't see what kind <laughs> of yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was reading that correctly. Yeah, and it's all, like
1: but there there seems to be like a distinction between pessimists and optimists, you know, throughout the paper. You know, mm-hmm. even even at the end of, you know, the the dialogue between the optimist and the pessimist throughout this paper, you know, even once all questions have answers or at least seeming satisfactory mm-hmm. answers, there's still that divide between the two mm-hmm. based on their perspective on the issue.
0: So. And she says, I mean, there's a remark about that, right? Where she says, you know, we don't need any new information for this debate. It's not like more empirical knowledge is going to come out to actually just de- develop these points, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, so it, she... Trying to kind of think about how to introduce this point. I mean, so, she, so she's talking about the... <clears throat> She's talking about the justification of certain practices, right? And the one that she's discussing first, because she she does note this. I, you know, I actually had a few notes in the margins about how <clears throat> um, I thought, excuse me, that she was making some of the same issues that uh, Summers made by conflating actions with attitudes or, or practices with attitudes. But upon rereading this, just for like the introduction, she actually does say, that she will, she plans to start on the practices and then switch to the attitudes. So she is making that differentiation. Um, so she's talking about, you know, the practices of rewards and punishments right now and what justifies them. And so, okay, so she makes a point. This is the this is page three eighty nine, um, bottom of the first paragraph. <clears throat> this was so this was one where I just kind of resoundingly um, said like yes, yes, agree here. Yeah, so this is uh bottom of the first paragraph on 389. We do not ordinarily decide whether a word of praise or a public scolding would be useful, would be a useful directive to future behavior. Rather, we find ourselves reacting to the actions and characters of others, approving of some, disapproving of others. Unless there is a reason to restrain ourselves, we simply express what we feel. Now, I just I had that highlighted. I wrote true um, like that. That is just extremely true. Um now again, it, I don't mean to be kind of nitpicky here, but like the, there is a little bit of like the conflation between practices and attitudes here. Um I mean, this seems like it's more a point about attitudes than actions. I mean, obviously they flow from each other, but um I just thought I just thought that this was, you know, really really it, it's it's exactly right i mean reacting is almost the derivative or the, the core of the reactive attitudes um they are those which naturally kind of flow so i'm assuming adam you also like very deeply agree with that point then
1: yeah definitely and i think she does make the distinction at one point um pretty well yeah let's, see, let's find that real fast just to let her make the clarifying point here
3: um what do you mean uh, actions versus attitudes like someone can do a given action but if they don't have a given attitude then it's not really genuine so
0: that's a a good good clarifying question brian because this was so this was a big issue with the previous episode that we were conflating about and i i think i tried to kind of highlight this issue but Mm -hmm. so so like a yeah so, so there's a difference between an action for like first of all there's just a difference between actions and attitudes in the sense that one is obviously kind of your mental status and the other ones, what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, if I do a given action, the same action could be done for a myriad or the same action could be done for a myriad of different reasons or different attitudes. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's making the point there and I'll let Adam get to his quote in a second. She's just, just making the point there that, you know, when you're, say you're scolding a child, right? Or you're kind of reprimanding someone. You could be doing that because it is your natural reactive attitude towards that child, or you could be doing it in a very kind of calculated objective way under the objective attitude where you say, okay, I think that you know this person needs to learn and they will do so if I actually respond to them in this way. Now, it could have been like this could be a child that needs more gentle encouragement, more kind of firm encouragement, like a, like challenging the child. Like everyone's different, right? Mm. Um, but that difference in attitude could be there, but the action be the same. Does that clarify it at all? Okay, yeah, I think that was actually kind of nice
3: because it's been a while since I looked at the last paper because we mm. did that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so it's all that shit's coming back. Cool. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think
2: I
1: think this quote puts it well as well. Um, so she says, imagine for a moment what a world would be like in which we all regard each other solely with the objective attitude. We would still imprison murderers and thieves, presumably. We would still sing praises for acts of courage and charity. We would applaud and criticize, say thank you and for shame, according to whether our neighbor's behavior was or was not to our liking. But these actions and words would have a different, shallower meaning than they have for us now. Our praises would not be expressions of admiration or esteem. Our criticisms would not be expressions of ign- indignation or resentment. Rather, they would be bits of positive and negative reinforcement meted out in hopes of altering the character of others in ways best suited to our needs.
0: Mm. That's it. Yeah, that's a great quote of it. So th- this is why. So. So back to the quote that I had on 389, um, this is why, sorry, Adam, you can stop sharing if you want. Um, like so, so I, I highlighted that and just wrote like true, like I, that is just, that seems to be both empirically and psychologically true, right? That we don't actually just ordinarily decide. Usually we just react, um, But I think that it's obvious that we also can do that too. So we ordinarily just react, but we can actually kind of deliberate about it and decide. And that's like the whole kind of reason why I I agree with Strawson that the reactive attitudes are what constitute relationships. And that was my kind of entire point about saying that the objective attitude is usually um, correlated uh, with like an increased cognitive load um it's it's i don't know if it's a it's certainly well it's certainly not a sufficient i don't even know if it's a necessary condition but is it it's at least a correlative one um and she says so she so she also clarifies in the next paragraph that one can justify these practices um under, under, let me just read it. So she says, accordingly, although one can justify these practices in a way that is analogous to justifications of other kinds of actions, one can also try to justify these practices in a way that is analogous to justifications of other kinds of judgment. In particular, one can try to justify them by showing how the relevant judgments are fitting for, appropriate to, or most aptly deserved by, the relevant objects to these judgments, in this case, human agents. So she's basically saying, look, like you could ground these in consequentialist reasonings like this. If I do this, it will create a better world. Or you could also ground them by saying, look, like I'm. And that that to me seems to be where the um, the compatibilist kind of bread and butter is like, do you meet certain categories or certain conditions for deserving certain reactions right adam is that how you're seeing it too yeah okay okay good um so okay that yeah i'm just gonna skip the it was another point about compatibilists and what they can do or not um okay so okay let's just let's just get into the fear because adam adam I mean, introduce like a, just a wonderful quote from her in that section. So she says, you know, to introduce right before that, she says the pessimist's fear may now be expressed as the fear that if determinism is true, this consequentialist justification for praise and blame is the only justification that would be available to us. Um, he fears that if we discover that determinism is true, we will be rationally believe rationally obliged to give up making and relying on such judgments and more important, perhaps we will be rationally obligated to give up the attitudes, which are essentially tied to those judgments. Now, as I think that I fall under a very, I would fall into the box of a pessimist, um, generally speaking. And I don't think that that follows. Like I don't think that that is a good pessimistic fear. Um, Obviously, there are pessimists who who think that, and it's not obvious why you wouldn't think that. Um, but so I think that like determinism here does take the dessert practices off the table, the practices of dessert off the table, but most certainly not the reactive attitudes. Now, okay. Oh, okay, Adam, this is a question for you first. Um, ah, never mind, we're not really at that section yet. Oh, can I ask (laughs) ask
3: a clarifying point? So, so okay. So you, so you believe that, um,
0: um, God, I can't think. (laughs) Was it about what I just said? Yeah, I completely forget, though. So let me let me clarify, because what I said was probably a little bit dependent on you being here for like the part one of the series, which was unfair of me. So basically, it, it seems so. So my current position is that so admitting that determinism is true, right, should take practices of of. um. It, here's what here's what it should do. Admitting that determinism is true should uh, make it such that any punishment practices that we do, especially on kind of third party levels or like system wide levels, that should just come down to consequentialist justification. Like, let's actually just do what makes a better world, mm. whether that's punishment or rehabilitation or, you know, deterrent factors like mm. that. That's all. That's what that but that won't necess- necessarily <clears throat> inform the attitude that we yes, will be, that okay, doesn't so that still doesn't, be reactive. Well, it doesn't take reactive attitudes off the table. It doesn't make mm-hmm. them kind of irrational or incoherent. It doesn't right. even and I don't even think that it does that. Um well, that's a, that's a good question. Does it do that theoretically? Not necessarily, honestly. Um I, it, so what I I mean, this is more about the later sections, but just to kind of table it, I think that admitting that determinism is true kind of opens the door to taking the objective stance. And then it's an issue between, Mm -hmm. okay, what stance do we take in which situations? But she now, (laughs) that's my biggest question mark, excuse me, about this whole paper is her justification for saying that the reactive attitudes aren't taken off the table, because that's what I'm extremely kind of, I think I might disagree with her about, but we have to get into it. So Okay. <laughs> I love I love uh so this next section so she she's discussing really um she's actually preemptively talking about summers, right? So she says first sentence of Uh, the next section on 390 she says what the pessimist really fears then is that if determinism is true we must not give up the practices of praise and blame themselves but the attitudes and judgments that these practices typically express we must give up all our reactive attitudes and adopt the objective attitude towards ourselves and each other as we do towards everything else boom that is summer's point right there right like he he does think that um, that admitting to well early summers De- admitting that determinism is true, then we have to give up all these attitudes, even though the practices themselves on the surface can look somewhat the same here or there. They might change, um, but they can look the same. Now, <clears throat> okay, so I want to hear what you guys think about this because I, I have 100% no disagreements with this. So she says to replace our reactive attitudes with the objective attitude completely, keyword is to change drastically or at most would say reduce Uh, the quality of our involvement or participation in all our human relationships. And, you know, she says, um, this is Adam's quote, you know, imagine what a a world would look like there. Um, (laughs) I just, I love this. (coughs) Um, Bottom paragraph uh, 391. The most gruesome difference between this world and ours would be reflected in our closest human relationships, in the relations between siblings, parents, and children, and especially spouses and companions. We would still be able to form some sort of association that could be described as relationships of friendship and love. One person could find another amusing or useful. One could notice that the presence of a certain person was like the sound of a favorite song, particularly soothing or invigorating. We could choose friends as we now choose clothing or home furnishings or hobbies, according to whether they offer to a sufficient degree the proper combination of pleasure and practicality. Attachments of considerable strength can develop on such limited limited bases. People do, after all, form strong attachments to their cars, their pianos, not to mention their pets. Nevertheless, I hope it is obvious why the word friendship and love applied to relationships in which admiration, respect, and gratitude have no part might be said to take on a hollow ring. I, I just love that paragraph. And I'm curious, so Brian, maybe, because I know, Adam, you just wholeheartedly agree with that too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Brian, I'm curious, like on the on the change of heart thing that we were just discussing at the beginning, do you, I, I'm curious now, do you kind of um, buy that? Do you, do you agree with that more than you previously did?
3: I think what was missing from last episode was a real, like an examination more of what that would look like with real examples. And I think the quote that Adam laid out really is, ex- what i was looking for in that sense Mm. um i will say that it's hard to imagine what it would be like to completely adopt the objective attitude and Mm. to really feel that and it could be completely fine and we should of course investigate like moving towards a world and we more people adopt the objective attitude um but it's i don't know i think i think just looking at what it would look like to to have that is a little bit shocking and a little bit, um, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So I don't know, if, yeah. there would be certain, certainly be something lost, but there could also be something gained. I mean, obviously there's something yeah. gained, but maybe it's just a different,
0: maybe it's not loss. But. Well, just, just to clarify, so that picture that she just painted was if you adopted the objective attitude in its totality, like completely with respect to you at all times and others okay. at all times. It's just your, your overarching view. Because I, I don't okay. know actually about Wolf, I don't know, actually, if she thinks that it's ever, you know, morally permissible to take it or not. Like, that's just not really in the scope of this paper, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, t- I took to, like, it <laughs> entirely to me, basically
3: adopting, like, like, feeling it as well. Like the, um, mm. I forget what you...
2: kind of the motive, it. the
3: motive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you can but accept that it's probably <laughs> factually true, but it's not. um
0: to really do it, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I I don't know how you guys. Um, I, I mean, I, I love that paragraph.
0: Um, so specifically,
1: good. but the the paragraph above, I thought was full of, a, you know,
0: it's all so good.
1: <laughs> no, I, I actually disagree with that one.
0: Oh, really? Wait, wait, I, Yeah. Which, yeah. Which I paragraph mean, like, are you referring to? Yeah. Which let one? Me, let
1: me, yeah. Let me, let me, let me share my screen and just this is intriguing. And I, I, no, no, I, I, I get what she was going for, but I'm, I'm wondering whether it's a bit of a straw man here.
4: on three, ninety one. yeah. So,
1: so I'm sharing this. So yeah, an act of heroism or of saintly virtue would not inspire us to aim for higher and nobler ideals. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why at that point. I mean, I, I, I think I that this is that. a
0: stylistic mistake by her too.
1: I mean, do, do you get what I'm saying with
4: that? Because, because you could, you, Adam, I'm actually in complete agreement. I was waiting yeah. for you guys to voice your concerns, but I kind of agree with Summers in that. I feel like she takes like amongst all possible, like um, world in which you kind of fully adopt the objective attitude. She is kind of leaning on like our preconceptions of what that would be instead of like describing like the, possibilities like this one seemed a little bit straw manny like she she paints like the worst picture if there's like an option for her in my opinion would so the yeah the yeah, issue, no, yeah
1: yeah because I, I think she can it would two not things,
4: inspire but, but, us to aim for higher or nobler ideals i don't see yeah, why like the objective attitude would exclude that at all well let no, me spell I, out
1: I, I, what no i I, got, I gotta make this point <laughs> so the thing is like i think she conflates two different things mm. um where she mentions like reactive attitudes and I completely agree with the one she lays out. Right. And they seem like they're directed attitudes at certain people, you know, where you imply yes. desert. but in this case, like an act of heroism or of saintly virtue would not, you know, inspire us to aim for higher ideals to nobler ideals. It's like, okay. Or higher and nobler ideals. It's like, I don't, I don't see how you need directed mm-hmm. attitudes
0: Yep, I for, totally at, agree. for
1: for behavior to influence us in a positive way, such that it would inspire us yeah. to possibly, you know what I mean? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Be, with because
0: that? that act is totally congruent with the objective attitude. You could see sure. an act of heroism or a virtue, and then actually just allow that to motivate you to you you yourself improve the well being of others. Like that. that yeah, exactly. Not, yeah,
1: you you could, you could still fully recognize and say, okay, well you know, ultimately that person isn't agentic. They're not responsible for their behavior yet. This still inspires me, you know, even if, even if I am not responsible for my own behavior, this can still has a, have a positive influence on my behavior. You know, I, I, so I I thought there were a few moments like this where she kind of conflated the two. And I just wanted to point that out as, it's no, that's that kind of that's struck really my good. attention. Yeah. Well, because yeah.
0: it's the same point on the negative side um, where you can't, she says we would not recoil from acts of injustice or cruelty. It t- totally doesn't follow from that because you still obviously could insofar as they create suffering. Like it's just, sure. it's just that simple. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So here's a question then. So, okay. Modulo what we might say is that kind of stylistic misstep there right she just expands the, the 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 bounds too far giffen do you disagree with her other what adam and i for sure and i think Brian more so does think is is truly a a loss in the adoption of the total objective attitude
4: yeah I disagree because of her like description as like kind of a loss mm-hmm. um and i'm kind of she this paper was useful for me because she took avenues that like i hadn't previously uh, previously thought of um but i do think i still kind of disagree with like that um point about like the f- friendship and love was like the paragraph you're referring to um like where there's a hollow ring um with taking solely the objective attitude this is kind of um what i kind of agree with uh summers uh explaining that there's kind of like a non-necessary kind of negative aspect that she's imparting on this and i don't necessarily i don't see it as a necessity that that's what the objective attitude would be like like I don't see it as mm-hmm. hollow. Okay, Adam, I, I
1: you stop sharing your screen? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm So sure. I so mean, guess
0: Giffin, I have a question yeah. about that. Sure. Go ahead. So, so because so I wanted to clear something up from last time. And so of is it not I'll do my best. So is the objective attitude not negative in your view? Because there's two ways in which it could be less negative than what Wolf portrays. Okay. One way is that it has different aspects uh, the objective attitude entails doing less than she says, which is changing its scope. Or it could be that actually doing everything that she has the scope of the objective attitude doing isn't actually a loss. Um, and and actually, I found I I really regret not having this for the um because what the problem one like thing I wanted to clear up for like the audience, but even just for us with last time is mm-hmm. when we were referring to and this is my. Kind of biggest issue with Summers, um, but I thought it really degraded even like towards the end of the conversation more than in the paper. Is Summers I think misses something about the way the objective attitude is defined, even in Strawson. Um, defined. S- sorry, what you said? You have a problem with the way Straw uh, he
4: Summers defines yes. the objective attitude? Okay. So I what I'm so you.
0: what I'm curious? Yeah, is if you think that. Is the objective attitude isn't as negative as, as Wolf is portraying because it's actually you're viewing it as something different than this, or you view it as this and you're saying, Oh, that's actually not that bad. So let me read it real quick. Sure. Um hey, this so from this is, is not from this paper. No, no, this is from Strassen. Actually, I just I just oh. found it right before this. So PF? yes. So I'll just uh, okay. read it real quick. Um what I want to contrast is the attitude or range of attitudes of involvement of participation in a human relationship on one hand, and what might be called the objective attitude or range of attitudes to another human being on the other. So here's he he's for the first time defining the objective attitude mm-hmm. um, it is from the paper we read. This is from freedom and resentment. Yeah. Okay. Uh Even in the same situation, I must add, they are not altogether exclusive of each other, but they are profoundly opposed to each other to adopt the objective attitude. To another human being is to see him perhaps as an object of social policy as a subject for what in a wide range of sense might be called treatment as something certainly to be taken account of perhaps precautionary account of to be managed or handled or cured or trained perhaps simply to be avoided although this gerundive is not particular to cases of, of objectivity of attitude the objective attitude may be emotionally toned in many ways but not in all ways It may include repulsion or fear. It may include pity or even love, though not all kinds of love. But it cannot include the range of reactive feelings and attitudes which belong to involvement or participation with others in interpersonal human relationships. It cannot include resentment, gratitude, forgiveness, anger, or the sort of love which two adults can sometimes be said to feel reciprocally reciprocally for each other. If your attitude towards someone is wholly objective, then though you may fight with him, you cannot quarrel with him. And though you may talk to him, even negotiate with him, you cannot reason with him. You can at most pretend to quarrel with or reason with him. So that's okay. that's like the big sense in which I think Summers is missing. It, and I think Wolf nails it on the head. So I'm curious okay. what you think. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So um, I guess this is like one of the biggest differences between like the previous set of conversations we had Um, And like the conversations we're having now, is that I actually like saw Summers um, like kind of definition in his framing, and I thought like that was useful. I see how it is different from what Strawson proposes. Um, Like the the problem is like Strawson. I kind of now view like what you just um, laid out. It's not a very good like definition. It's like a you know sentence that seems to explain or a series of sentences that seem to explain like, I guess in a way he's trying to define it, but it's not very um, concise, but he kind of implies if that is like strictly like what he's defining as the adge- objective attitude. I mean, then he's basically saying that it is by definition a loss because he's saying like you, taking the objective attitude excludes some forms of love. Like he's saying that point blank, and though not me, all
0: kinds of love. Yeah.
4: Right. Meaning that taking the objective attitude exclusively would, by definition, exclude
0: certain kinds of love, whatever he means via, by that. Yeah, via, I think he's implying via viewing someone as an object. Well,
4: I guess it depends on how we are framing like the use what, of to be the fair, in that term. I, I, yeah. I, okay, I was yeah, just yeah. going to say, I see Summers as having kind of clarified exact, because P.F. Strawson to me isn't mm-hmm. like the most clear writer. Um, so I thought Summers kind of had like the job of like kind of clarifying, like what is the objective attitude, except not defining it with like the word love in it and things like that. Um, as like treating someone as someone, um, let me rephrase this because do we want to pull up like Summers definition? Well, no, I know of it off the top of my head. Yeah. Don't,
1: don't, don't.
0: Yeah. No, don't. Jordan.
1: I, I, I actually agree with Giffen on this one. I mean, not, not on, like the overall point, but I think Giffen's entirely right in the sense that. Like Strawson brought us the objective attitude, which is, you know, fantastic in that he did it. But I, I think Summers' perspective is wholly consistent with the objective attitude in this sense. Now, let me clarify. So the objective attitude is the idea that, you know, in, in the light of determinism, you know, can we have these directed attitudes toward people? No. So Summers is saying, okay, now, does it have to be this this dreary view that P.F. Strawson takes? No, you know, in the example of love, we, you can't love someone, but you can love that someone is there or that someone exists, you know so, what I mean? It, and, and, that, I, and that's wholly consistent in the light of determinism to say that you love yeah. that someone exists, that someone is there, but you can't love them in the sense of reactive attitudes. Do you, so, get, so do you I don't.
0: There? Well, I don't think that that's how the... Uh, objective attitude is defined by either author, so it's not like I don't think the objective attitude is, is saying you can't have reactive attitudes. I think that the can't having reactive attitudes is a consequence of taking the objective attitude.
1: Okay, I, I don't see how that's different than what I said there because like, the idea is that okay, you know, maybe it's just stylistic. Yeah, because it's well, it's to work, can you that, Try to explain again. No, because like it's the attitude you're taking, right? Mm-hmm. So. So in this case, you wouldn't say that, you know, you love someone or you resent someone, but you could resent the fact that someone behaved that way or, or dislike the fact that someone behaved that way or love the fact that someone is there or that someone's in your life. So when you're like, so when we're like, we're debating with giving, you know, like you can't you can't bring up like P.F. Strawson's framing because it's a it's a perfectly fine framing, but Summers mm-hmm. is just has a different framing that is consistent with determinism.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, it's oh, it's consistent with determinism. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So, so my point is is that like it's the it's a different take on the objective attitude. It, it do, so do, I would... do I do I still think it's you know a degree removed from reactive attitudes in the sense that you know even that that slight framing of it. Or that that difference, almost like I love that someone is there in my life like that, rather Mm -hmm. than I love that person. I think there's like an attitudinal difference there that that detracts. I totally agree with that. Qua
0: viewing someone as an as an object, agent,
1: or or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which which so that's so maybe it's just stylistic. But like the only thing that I would want to include in that definition is this is all like qua object that these well things are being degraded because if you're not. Viewing. you clarify what you mean by
4: object here? Because I, I just, I'm not being, I don't mean to quibble, but that's kind of an important detail because we in like common use, use the word object in a different way. And it's a negative way.
1: Well, just yeah.
4: non-agent. Well, like it doesn't have to like... be
0: negative. Yeah. So, so well, that's, that's, like... I'm just
4: asking you to clarify a little bit just for that no, reason. But, but, but the that's part of my problem be... with Wolf in general is that there's always like a negative slant. An object is a word with like a preconceived notion of it being negative. That's all I... Oh. Want to bring up
1: well, Giffin. I I mean, the way I see it is like this taking the objective attitude is viewing someone non-agentically and viewing them as, you know, possibly the most wonderful, you know, complex robot, you know, we've ever encountered. But at the end of the day, they're still a robot and you're going to actively view them that way, Mm
4: -hmm. yeah. And by non-agentically, I mean, like, um, just to clarify, if we're speaking the same terms, we mean like treating them as like. As if they are not some kind of ca- sui agent with, you know, um, sort of a contra-causal force of nature, right? Something like that. Did that-
0: I don't sure, think it you, necessarily, you- I don't know, I don't know if, it, if a necessary condition is libertarian free will, but it's, it's like N- Nagel had that one quote, it's viewing actions as events and people as things. Right, so it's, yeah, a non, a it's a great one, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's demoting, well, under Summer's view, it's not demoting, it's changing someone's status from an agent to an object.
4: Yeah, well, I, mean, I just wanted to understand if you guys viewed agent
0: in this kind of framing as a non-deterministic kind of framing. You could treat someone, if I treat someone as an agent, I can believe determinism is true and treat them as if they were agentic. That's like the yeah.
4: As if they were agentic as is almost kind of like mm. kind of ignoring for the you know communication between the peoples that determinism is true. Sure, that, but, really, but hang on, actually, I, not, I think that yeah, I just, think I'm this is curious. actually a
1: really good point huh? at this point to like transition forward because the thing is mm. that that exact point does come up in the paper. So, And that's one of the most interesting <clears throat> parts of the paper. So let's okay. make sure we're, we're moving forward yeah. on, that, on that front.
4: G- guys, I, I hate to do this, but can I get like a three minute break? I'm sorry. I'm being called. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. Deeply apologize. Give me one, one moment.
0: Um.
1: Yeah. And it, considering this is just like the break right now. I mean, that's, that's one of the most interesting parts oh. of the paper. So let's make sure we get to that.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. See, yeah what was I gonna say i lost my train of thought yeah well, so okay so just a quick clarifying point between like us then so so my biggest issue still with the way that like summers defines the objective attitude is where's the quote i mean he so he says um taking the objective attitude commits us only to regarding human beings as creatures who cannot deserve praise or blame but like that, that seems to be a, f- a feature of the objective attitude, and it's certainly a necessary one, but it's not a sufficient condition. Because you could, you could <clears throat> because of this point, this is actually, I'm about to make an extremely Frankfurtian point. Adam, you might like this. Okay. Okay, this is, a, this is about to be a point in the same style as Frankfurt's PAP point. Because someone could not deserve praise or blame, but that's not enough to define the objective attitude. Here's why. You step on my foot, Adam, uh, I turned to you in anger and I am blaming you for doing that only upon realizing that it wasn't actually you who stepped on my foot. It was Brian. You no longer deserve praise or blame, but it has nothing to do with taking the objective attitude towards you because I could still harbor reactive attitudes towards whoever stepped on my foot. It's the same I, point I, I, Frankfurt I think, makes. I think, I think it's
1: generally though, right? Like that one shouldn't mm. adopt, you know, mm. reactive attitudes in general though.
0: But that, no, uh, so creatures who could not deserve praise or blame. Okay, so same, same thing then. Um, <clears> so, okay, but let's table what I actually do to Brian. So you don't deserve, so in this example, this is, it's the same point that Frankfurt makes about could have done otherwise. You don't deserve praise or blame but it's not because I'm taking the objective attitude. It's because you didn't do it.
1: I think, you, I think that you've lost me a little bit on this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: What, what, what is... It, no,
1: no, I'm, I'm still super open to this, though. But uh, just, just kind of build me back
0: up on this point here. Okay, okay. Taking the objective attitude commits us only to... So, okay. <clears throat> so, first of all, he's saying... Oh, he says, like, commits us only to doing this. So therefore, I'm interpreting that as if we just if we don't deserve praise or blame, that's all you need to say that that's taking the objective attitude. And I think it's more than
2: that. So just stop there and let me think
0: about it for a second
2: here. So okay, so I'll I'll, I'll pretend to
1: be um, Summers here just for a second, okay?
2: So (laughs) I I just 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 so we can
1: just play along with this one, Mm -hmm. okay? So. Um, it's sufficient because, you know, at that point, we're either going to be living in discordance with the facts or in accordance with the facts at that point, because, you know, there needs to be a attitudinal shift, given that fact that ultimately no, no creature deserves praise or blame.
0: Uh, well, you can, yeah, so you can say that that follows from determinism. But again, the, the problem there is he's conflating dessert practices with attitudinal practices. Now he I'm not saying that you can't do that, but if you're gonna do that, you have to make that logical connection, right? Because like cause he, he, like, cause, he cause he says robust moral responsibility, right? So that's like the the dessert entailing kind. And he says that in the paper, but then he'll go on to talk about attitudes, right? But I mean, we're about to like get back into this with the Wolf paper. Those clearly exist on different planes. So, the so here, so my issue is that someone could, uh, someone could, either deserve praise or blame or not, but it have nothing to do with taking the objective attitude in that like Frankfurt style point. It's it's just a point to say, okay, look, you've defined it as this. It's this. It's like uh, it's the exact same thing Frankfurt does with the pap. You know, you're saying more responsibility is like removed via you couldn't do otherwise, but here's a situation which you couldn't do otherwise in which that's not actually the the thing.
1: Hmm. I'll, I'll have to think more about that. Cause I don't, I don't fully get it, but that could okay. just be, let's
0: me. return to the wolf. That, that,
1: that, 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 that could be me. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Sorry guys. That's fine. Let's return, let's return to the wolf paper because we were about to get to what is definitely the most in my mind, contestable area of the paper. Um, So there, there are so let's actually okay, let me flag, let me let's flag I want to return to page 392 because but I actually think that we should return to that after we go over. um, Wolf's reasons so. So she says on on page 393 so. So let's talk about, so she says, um, you know, so she introduces this as saying, like, insofar as we take reactive attitudes towards ourselves and each other, however, we regard others as free, responsible beings. If determinism is true, then by continuing to take these attitudes, we live in such a way that is discordant with the facts. And so she says uh, the reason for doing this is that because we've admitted determinism is true, but... uh, Acting with the reactive attitude is viewing people as if they were agents, but we know that they're not. Therefore, she's t- setting up this tension. Like, how can we still retain these um, uh, these attitudes? And she says that this is like the pessimist's fear. So this is bottom of this page going into the next page. And this sets up her different cases, which this is the definitely the most interesting area of the paper. So she says... <clears throat> Even to this last account of the pessimist's fear, I believe that the optimist has a reply, which should make the pessimist withdraw his attempts to express and explain the threat of determinism yet another time. For I believe that even if determinism is true, and even if this implies that as a matter of metaphysical fact, we are not free and responsible beings, this gives us no reason at all to regard ourselves as unfree, unresponsible beings. Okay, so that's her claim basically of the paper. Um, So even if determinism is true, and even if that is a metaphysical fact that we're not free and responsible, that gives us no reason to regard ourselves as unfree, unresponsible beings, a.k.a. that's no reason to reject um, reactive attitudes. And she actually goes deeper than this and even says like practices of dessert, um, which is something that I don't know that I agree with at all. But
1: should I, I? I know you wanted to go back. Did you want to read the section real fast about the um, two potential reasons the optimist might raise? Um,
0: let's just talk about them real quick. It's one is living in accordance. Are you talking about the living in accordance with the facts is an imperative? Uh, no, because oh, um, it, wait, which pages are on?
1: I, I let me find it real fast here because I think this is worth touching on just because this is a point that you hold. Okay. Um, let's see here.
0: Cuz I know there's some stuff on 392 I want to circle back around to. But I but maybe it's actually makes more sense to do it now. 390. Uh,
1: okay. Okay, yeah, here we go. It's on
3: 392. Yeah, okay. okay so let's so let
1: me let me read these here. Um let me just start at the top of the page. So it is such a world in which the pessimist fears we would be rationally obliged to live if we came once and for all to the conclusion that the thesis of determinism was true. It is such a world so much bleaker and more barren than our present world to which the pessimist fears the truth of determinism would rationally force us. Once the optimist recognizes just what is, uh, is that the pessimist fears is at stake, however, the optimist once again has a ready reply. One thing you can point out is that even if the truth of determinism would give us some reason to regard ourselves differently, we would be psychologically incapable of changing our attitudes in the appropriate way. But I think this is the one that Jordan holds. Another is that even if the truth of determinism would give us some reason to regard ourselves differently, we would have an overriding reason to keep Mm. the attitudes we currently hold. So, um
0: can, so so this I actually had multiple things in here highlighted S- because this is this is super interesting. So, OK, to the to the first point, she says, like, if this is a world in in which like the pessimist fear we live in, right, then we would have to, you know, remove these practices and attitudes. Right. <clears throat> but like uh, she's so she's right. I think about what the total objective attitude, the ubiquitous objective attitude would cost psychologically, right? Like that would, and Adam, I know you agree with this, and like Brian more so, um, that would actually be a terrible world to live in. So it's not actually, so, so I think there's a huge blunder in this kind of area of her reasoning because the pessimist has opened to them consequentialist reasoning right? Like we've, this is like, Wolf has admitted this. Um, so if that's true and let's, even if we were psychologically capable of doing this, because she says we're not, and I agree, but even if we were, so I actually don't think that that's a very good reason for it, because even if we were, it would create a worse world. So if you believe what Adam and I believe, um, so, if the pessimist has opened to him consequentialist reasoning and adopting the objective attitude creates worse consequences, then it need not follow logically from, from admitting that determinism is true. What I think it does do is it opens the door to the objective attitude. Look, people aren't causa sui, people are determined. Therefore, the objective attitude makes sense to take, it could be true of people to take that view, but you need not always take that view because it would ruin like life itself as qua wolf. But,
1: but but almost like, you know, given, given Giffen's position here, Mm -hmm. even that is still like a subjective point of view. So, so the thing is like with that second point right there, it's that even if you had some reason and in Giffen's case, it could be, um, Maybe reduced suffering in certain areas, Mm -hmm. or it could be the idea that we're living in accordance with the facts, and you know that's a value that we hold, as she points out. Yeah, you could have some reasons, and you would argue that okay, you have some reasons, but those reasons are you know dwarfed compared to what we have we could have to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah, Uh, what we have to lose by losing the reactive attitudes. But the reason I wanted to bring this up was because what I found crazy when reading this was after reading this. And you read, what was that? 393.
2: Mm-hmm. She's
1: like, in fact, there is no reason. So, <laughs> you know, so it's like, even if, even if you think that, you know, it even if it's inconclusive on your end, whether you are unsure whether, you know, maintaining the reactive attitude versus letting the reactive attitude go, you know, how, how those reasons <laughs> balance out. See, I'm going to argue that, that there's even no follow. reason. Yeah, there's yeah. no reason, in fact. So I, I think that's, I had to mention that because it's going to be just yeah. part of building that up here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, and this is, so it makes sense. So this is interesting. Oh, okay. This is helping me understand the paper more. So that, so this is actually why she needs to do that later on, say that there's no reason, because she's already set it up as that's the standard she needs for there to be no reason then.
2: Yes.
0: Whereas, so that's, okay. So that's where Wolf, <clears throat> excuse me, that's where Wolf and I differ then is because so i don't ground it in the same way she does i guess
1: well i i don't I, I think she's just going through almost like some sort of dialogue here in a sense like you you might sure, get off sure. the train earlier mm. in the sense that you look mm. at this and you say well with regard to the consequences mm-hmm. of you know mm. jettisoning the reactive attitudes yeah you know the, the buck stops here
0: like they're sure, sure they're
1: they're worth keeping just based on the arguments mm-hmm. in favor of maintaining the reactive attitude. We don't need to go further. We yeah. don't need to assess the reasons for potentially, you know, foregoing yes. the reactive attitude and adopting the objective. But she goes further in this conversation.
0: Yeah. and just to clarify for Brian, maybe because this could sound weirdly contradictory to what we I was maybe arguing before, um, <clears throat> Brian, I'm not saying the reactive attitudes completely or like all the time. But I'm saying uh, the reactive attitudes as a default in relationships. Um, yeah. Uh, wait did did anyone? I can't hear, hear Brian. Brian. <coughs> yeah, Brian, I can't hear you. You're muted. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. There we go.
3: Um, I would say a reactive. Wait, okay. So
0: react. You should have a reactive attitude towards relationships. Is that what you're saying? You should default to the reactive okay. attitudes in relationships. But obviously, even within relationships, there are reasons to uh, supersede those with uh, objective ones. Um, but I actually Radzik, which she, she has a paper, which we'll definitely read in this series about this. I actually view it identically to her. She says that... Um, that the reactive attitudes, because of what they bring to interpersonal relationships, are a prima facie good, but they can be overruled by other considerations. That's exactly how I view it for interpersonal relationships.
1: Hmm. Yeah, but that will be so interesting, right? So, Brian, like just kind of where we're at right now, And you know, stop me <clears> if <throat> I'm just kind of reiterating the you know, points <laughs> you already understand. But just to make sure you're on the same page, because I know you didn't go through part one. But, you know, she's saying, okay you know i i've i've given some good reasons from the optimist point of view for why one shouldn't be a pessimist in the face of holding the reactive attitude in light of determinism so no one's responsible for who they are you know ultimately we're not responsible for our actions but you know here are some reasons that you know, someone could adopt and keep, or not just adopt, but retain the reactive attitudes. And that could be, number one, she kind of points to like the cognitive load in a sense, where it's like, we're kind of programmed to you know, maintain the reactive attitudes. But even more so, the, the reasons we have um, for maintaining the reactive attitudes seem stronger than those of adopting the objective attitude but we're about to go into the page here where she says okay <clears throat> even if you think the reason for adopting the objective <clears throat> attitude in this case the reason would be um living in accordance with the facts of reality even if you think that's a good enough reason i don't think it's a reason at all so she's about to get into that of like <clears throat> why she doesn't think it's even even how it's even a valid reason did that make any sense
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> and just and just and just to clarify one more point for Brian, this is with respect to adopting adopting the objective attitude just always and completely, like Summers Project, because she's not she's not saying what Course Guard might be saying or what she might be logically committed to saying, which is that the objective attitude is never appropriate. That's not like the scope of this paper. You know what I mean? Just because that's because that is a weird difference. Yeah.
1: So <clears throat> Giffin You're you're still sitting at, like, the point where, you know, reading that paragraph, um, you might, when Jordan and I read that there might be some reason, um, you know, to regard ourselves differently, you would view it as a good reason to regard ourselves differently. One that might override our, you know, almost our assumed reactive attitudes.
4: Can you actually repeat that? I didn't fully grasp what you were asking
1: is there like a baby well, what's going on <laughs> yeah
4: well, what's going on here my dog is whining sorry this is what i had to take a break for earlier yeah. yes. he's yeah. whining sorry jordan you're gonna have to edit this <laughs> there'll be a some bit. there'll be some editing again. i apologize hold on let, let me let me pause here because i
1: do want to get that answer
4: y- yes so just
1: yes. just just to make sure that's where he's at that there are
4: sorry the problem has resolved itself it was I really can't do anything about it. I know. I'm sorry. I really, <laughs> I deeply apologize. But anyways, Giffen, John, do you want Adam to stop just... sharing Adam. Uh, and then
1: yeah, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. the
4: people want to see the dog. <laughs> no, Ask but... the
0: question again. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yes. Yeah.
1: So Giffen, when, when Jordan and I read in that paragraph there that, you know, although there may be some reason to adopt the objective attitude and forego our naturally assumed reactive attitude, do you read that as there is a good reason to forego the reactive attitude and that adopt, there are good reasons for adopting the objective attitude.
4: This is a very interesting point. Cause this is like where, um, where she introduced the concept of the. Uh, uh, like living in accordance with, you know, the truth or whatever, like that was kind yeah. of fact. like a, yeah, with the fact, sorry. Um, that was kind of a, lens which I hadn't even thought to apply, to be frank, like, um, I never really um, investigated why like that reasoning was kind of like, by default taken in my mind almost. Um, So I guess I'm going to give some sort of explanation. I hope it captures like the answer to your question. Um, But in general, I can see like, this is like purely the kind of consequentialist um, lens here, why it might be better for one to take like the um reactive attitude um but to me it comes off in the same way as summers described like the case of joshua with like the religion if that makes any sense did you
0: mean to say yeah, react
4: I, yeah. But, yeah but
1: i think with this one like i just want to make kind of like a quick distinction in the sense that oh yeah sorry I, I i just want us to differentiate between behavior and attitudes here once again yeah. like so um So do you, do you think that there are better reasons for adopting the objective attitude? Because I think behaviorally, we might all actually agree that maybe like, you know, in terms of, um, how we maybe conduct ourselves. I mean, I don't know, there could be some gray area there, but, or how our legal systems are structured, that they should be, you know, created and, um, just formed around the concept that determinism is true and maybe, you know, adopt the objective attitude in that sense. Sure. Just look at the lens or look at the lens, you know, through consequentialism, (laughs) but I'm looking at attitudes here. Do you think that there are superior reasons for adopting the objective attitude rather than maintaining the reactive attitude
0: in their totality?
4: Okay. Um, so this is the thing where I'm kind of not sure. So I'm interested to see how we can kind of converse about this. Um, Because I understand um, that, like, consequentially for, like, us, like, in the world we live in right now, there is, there are some of the reasons we discussed in the previous episode. Um, Things like the, you know, in our world, higher mental load of taking the objective attitude and, like, the kind of feeling we get or most people get in adopting the objective attitude. Like, it feels, um, it can feel kind of negative for people. Um, like, I understand that, like, if you're kind of just looking at like a almost Wait, like a,
0: you, the utility of well, Jordan. Sorry, I'm just curious. Are you saying that are you juxtaposing you to people? I'm just honestly, I'm curious kind of how you're viewing this, because I, I still well, I'm really trying really to know. say like, I'm basically trying to take a um,
4: differentiate between like kind of an ideal world here and like the kind of practical considerations for the world we live in right now, because I don't know that Adam uh, clarified which one he wanted me to talk about or if both. But let's, your perspective,
1: your perspective on just like how you would view, you know, like interpersonal relationships um, and how you would just view others that you care about. I mean, do you think that like, it just kind of after kind of hearing about the two different attitudes, do you think that there are possibly superior reasons for adopting? I mean, because like, let me let me just throw you a bone here in the sense that, sure. like, as you just mentioned there you know, Wolf does go on a bit. And I actually agree with her that, you know, living in accordance with the facts and, you know, and she, she uses like the term true reality mm-hmm. in the sense that like you, you want you want to exist. It's generally a good reason yeah. in accordance with yeah. true reality. And, that, right. and that's a value we do hold. Right. So that, so that, so that could be one reason, right. That, that one could, you know, um, you know, prefer the objective attitude over, you know, the, the, reactive attitude.
0: Can I say the interesting, and I, this is what I want to know from you Giffen, like, is sure. that, so is that reason going to be like, oh yeah, that's a totally valid reason. And it, and it supersedes the costs of the objective attitude. Cause I, at this point, I don't know if you think there are costs or if you're with summers where you think that there aren't any costs or that it's actually, this is just this dual benefit. Cause well, in the previous I don't, episode, oh, sorry. Because on the previous episode, we were talking about the benefits of the objective attitude that had nothing to do with this more theoretical living in accordance with the facts. It was because the objective attitude was better on its own grounds. So is it a bonus that we get to live in accordance with the facts or does it supersede the downsides? I don't know that I view living in accordance with the fact
4: as like an overpowering, like kind of if you imagine like a um ledge or um like a pro con list or something like that, right? for some um, scale
1: Some sure
4: scale. like i don't think i view the living in accordance with the fact necessarily it's like an infinite kind of thing of course um, yeah. which over that'd so, be insane yeah well that yeah well i'm just clarifying yeah yeah no i'm um, agreeing but yeah. i think in all i i do find myself i should yeah i should clarify i do find myself agreeing with kind of the notion that in all cases it is preferable to live with accordance with the facts sure. versus not so in every like i can't obviously there are situations um and uh, this is where i was bringing up like the joshua case from the summers paper um like there are clear consequentialist reasons for like not trying to convince the elderly person lying in a hospital bed <laughs> like, that you are head. do not have free will like but you get God's it
0: there's <laughs> no god <laughs>
4: <laughs> not only there's no god you have no free will you live in a exactly. world there's no like, point to that yeah. yeah no so like yeah i was never like that out of it okay like i i completely understand that. Like, practically, you know, if for that woman on the bed, like you would just be letting her Obvious. die in pure <laughs> yeah, yeah, suffering. Sure. Well, I mean, sure. it's, it's a it's a very, very uh strong example, but that's mm-hmm. just to illustrate the point that like I would, you know, concede the like the practical angle here. But I do feel myself of the opinion that like in every case, like in that case, if you took like the pro-con list, it would be a negative that you're n- like not living in accordance with the facts. But, sure. to,
1: but, so, but so, hold so, on no, wait, Adam, no, my original no, question.
0: I, Okay. Oh, are you just going to re-ask it? Yeah, I'm. because it wasn't answered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just because the
1: thing is, yeah. like, um, you know, Wolf in this next section responds directly to that reason that I that I just raised there of living in accordance with the facts. But the my my question, just reiterating Jordan's you know, question, <laughs> what other reasons would there be? You no, know, because the thing is, like, she doesn't respond to other reasons necessarily. So, like. You know, see, so Jordan asked whether well, it was just a bonus. But for you, it seems like it's just a bonus in the sense that. Well, I don't know, you know what you mean by bonus you, then. Well, well no, because uh, let what me I mean by ex- bonus me is you, you would <laughs> rather live in accordance with the facts. Yeah. So, but but that's not the reason, right? It wasn't the reason that convinced you that the objective attitude was a superior attitude to take than the reactive attitude. So, because what were, what because what,
0: la, well, because last episode you didn't know that that was like you said even yourself like I hadn't considered it. You hadn't considered totally. it either. So are the reasons like so so okay if this is if you still thought that same thing without this reason it seems like that would be by definition a bonus reason though right that's what we're kind of trying to get at honestly i think there may have been some
4: of that living in accordance with the fact um driving my uh arguments in the previous episode
1: sure but are there, <laughs> are there any other chief reasons then like if, so i because the thing is i did get that sense from you actually last time we had okay talked that, yeah no it's very clarifying that, that Yeah, that living in accordance with the facts was a reason, but is it the reason? Do you
4: have other reasons? Um, Well, I think there. I think in general, there would be like positive uh, consequences um, with taking the objective attitude, but I'm not sure that, like, as we discussed, um, like, they're not necessarily present i do think living in accordance with the fact is kind of like the root if that makes sense i'm not I'm I, just I guess, sure no, on this I, that, I, just, I just
1: i just now i have a, another previous, question
0: yeah
1: i because you said there might be benefits but they might also not be present yeah i, I, don't, I
0: don't know what that means
1: so because so, the thing is like we had like read like in the previous paper that mm-hmm. you know something like um maybe a reactive attitude like shame right sure i mean like so when you almost you know remove yourself from how you view yourself in a sense of like you're not you're not you don't think you deserve shame or Mm -hmm. deserve humiliation Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when you would take the objective attitude sure so there is sort of like almost like a distancing effect there right but do you think that also applies to like other interpersonal relationship reactive attitudes where it's like if if you kind of just step back from the feeling of shame and just kind of view yourself objectively in that you are ultimately not the cause or the source or your behavior wasn't agentic. Yeah. Do you think that when you apply that to other people, maybe that could be harmful in some areas, but helpful in others?
4: Um, I think I, I do take that. Um, of course, in all these instances, I think it would be, you know, the, living with accordance with the facts would be kind of in like the con as like, if you're not doing that. Um, but like in just in raw practical terms in the world we live in, like they're like, as I illustrated kind of with the, um you know, dying woman case, like there's are sure there could be negative consequences to doing that. Um, I can give you an example you, you of that. Mean,
1: you, mean for, you mean from your perspective, like viewing the dying woman, like you would just be like, like, emotionally removed, like, removed in a sense? Is that what you're saying?
4: Oh, no, I'm... Because um, this, is, this is
1: your attitude we're talking about here. This is, like, the way you perceive the world, and the way you perceive others.
4: Yeah, I mean, so, I think there would be possible negative and positive consequences for me taking the um uh, objective attitude. What are the negatives? Point. I'm curious. I mean, this is, like, we're talking about, like, practical reasons. So, consequentialist, like, utilitarian reasons. Like what? Um, I mean, well, I can... <laughs> Let's give like just a hyperbolic example. I say, like, I feel like I want to take the objective attitude, like, kind of a, like a um, agreeing with Summers, like, I'll try to take the objective attitude more frequently, right? And no one talks to me ever again, right? All my friends coming out. That would be like an example where, wait, but, the, but, but to be but fair, isn't that betraying
0: you know, your, your, your view that, the,
2: the, 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 but, but,
1: but also, that's actually like kind of moving away from what we're talking about? Yeah, bucket. that's actually a uh, a behavioral manifestation of that. Yeah, we're we're saying in this case that the behavior is actually the same, but just imagine, like, okay, I can I can choose a hyperbolic example, like, yeah, please, like, like, like say you were at like you know the bedside of your dying father. Okay, you know what I mean, like, I, like what, like what, like what is the relationship? How does that change when you view him as a non-agentic being at that point versus you know loving your father rather than you know, in, in caring for your father versus I guess caring is the wrong word in this case. Cause that could be action, in either yeah. sense, but yeah, but, but just like, you know, love and admiration and, and respect. It, and and so like, how, yeah. how, how would that change versus viewing him more as just a highly complex robot that you enjoyed throughout your life and that you that you did love, but you know, you loved that he was there, but, but less so that you loved
2: him.
4: If I don't you know if that. I agree with like the framing of like the lesser because to me like I mean, you're saying even like the behavior could be exactly the same. So if, like from my perspective, um, like there might not be like a real um, lessness in like my reaction. Um, I I don't
0: know, you guys seem a little so skeptical. Giffen, Giffen, yeah. but you but you just said that there are downsides. And then when someone tries to give a hyperbolic example of a downside, you say, well, it's not really a downside. So then can you give us one? That's not a, it's not a behavior. Give us an attitudinal downside then. Cause you just said there are some. Well, I guess I
4: was thinking about, I guess I wasn't necessarily uh, clarifying between like the behaviors and the attitudes. Um, Cause like when we're talking about the um, attitudes and the behaviors, well, we're talking about examples where like the behavior can be exactly the same between taking both attitudes. It's hard for me to like clarify um, Where I can find a negative, it's because we just like framed it as like all the behaviors could be exactly the same.
0: Well, yeah, but you could go ahead, Brian.
3: So wait, hold on a second. So you don't think then that the attitudinal there are difficulties? Wait, hold on a second.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'm a bit lost. Well, that's Giffen. I think Giffen's being a little bit inconsistent here, which like I I think that's why you're lost, Brian. Is because like Giffen, we're saying. We're, we're just trying to ask you like we should just we should move on but like this is it's it's a, an important point to like just get clear on you,
1: before we dive into the next
0: part yes because the next part yes. is going to be kind of a direct response to this
1: conversation
0: yeah so, so. Giffen, you're saying you admit and unless you're going to Change your mind and say, okay, now there aren't any attitudinal, but we got to get clear on that. So so you're saying initially that there, there might be attitudinal downsides to taking the objective attitude, even in cases in which the behavior is the same. Okay. So let's look at Adam's example of the your, you know, your dying father. Your behavior towards him.
4: Yeah, I'm actually not sure that I meant to state that previously, that if the be my like framing was like taking like me taking like a an attitude might manifest um, differently. Of course, but if we're if we're equalizing like the behaviors, I'm not sure really what's lost, and I think I might have made a mistake previously in my. Okay, so now we're I apologize okay. for. Okay, so now I, we're I think, changing. Again, I, this is
0: something that like I'm really exploring, kind of actively at like through reading patients. Sure. So now there's okay. So the current claim is that there's no loss uh, from your perspective in adopting the objective attitude in its totality.
1: If the behavior is the same.
0: Sure. If the right. That was like
1: sure. the
4: key thing. And I okay. uh, I was inappropriately mm-hmm. not linking them and I apologize. But um, Brian, Brian, do you have a question for me?
3: Yes. Uh, sure. And a follow-up question. If you say there is no loss, do you think there's a change?
4: I think there would be a change. Um, yeah. I mean, definitionally. Spell it out.
2: How would the, I mean, what would the change look like? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Well, when you're asking me what the change would look like, Um, That seems more of almost like a behavioral kind of question. No, 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 no. no, It's hard to to describe. How do you feel?
3: How do you feel? In one one scenario, you kind of feel like it's how you would feel now, you know, the love and admiration while your father's dying. And the other, like for me, I'm thinking that might be like, um, like, I might just be like, oh, my gosh, this, this specimen. Before me, I'd, I've. Or like, so how can I help him person.
0: die or something? Like, like, what do I need uh-huh. to say to him but, in
3: order for his last minutes to be good? Yeah, yeah, but there's also just like, ah, uh, oh, yes, but I know that these only last so often. You know, it, death is happening. I don't know. It's I say these. Well, I'm these all sound like behavior. Objects. Well, I, no. Actually, actually, well, no, actually, no, no I just, this is an inner what, monologue. I,
0: I
1: actually
3: um, want
0: to go
1: a different direction
0: on this. Okay, go for it. What, I what, think what, this is, what is the most challenging case for gift? No, 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 but 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 what about
1: this one though? So okay. This is actually a negative reactive
4: attitude here,
1: but oh. I want to know whether it, I mean, but I, I noticed the stark difference in the two here. Sure. So we're still going to go with the dying father example, though. Okay. What if he dies and there's a funeral that's held, Okay. but then you totally forgot about it for some reason that morning. <laughs> you woke up, played video okay. games, and like play video games through your own father's funeral. Okay. okay? Hyperbolic so, example. I it's <laughs> a hyper, It's a hyperbolic example. For some reason, it it had just like slipped your mind. Do you do you think that losing the feeling of shame and just adopting just sort of like this objective view as yourself uh, of yourself? Do you, do you notice that stark difference between the two? Where well, you you in one case hmm. you feel you deserve every ounce of shame for what you've done. Well, on the other hand. You recognize you don't deserve any shame, in fact, because, you know, you, you, you weren't, you, you're not Kaza you know, it's, it's, it's a shame that you happen to miss it, but (laughs) otherwise you don't deserve these strong reactive attitudes. Do you, do you notice the strong difference between those two attitudes one could take about themselves?
4: I don't, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like you say, I wouldn't deserve shame, but like, um, I would deserve, I would feel like that I would. Not deserving, like no, the but deep but that's sense. That's the difference. Yes.
0: That, Giffen, y, y, you can't have this both ways here. You keep I mean, saying that they're, t- they're different and that one might be better than the other. And then every example we give, you say there's actually no difference between the two attitudes. And then you just spelled out a difference.
4: What difference but, did I just spell out?
0: You said what? I actually would feel like I did deserve. Well,
4: it. I said not in a deep sense. That's the difference. But, so then, but I would still but, but, feel like in a shallow sense.
1: Would that be really crossing your mind at that point, though? That just like you, you feel this immense shame, and then, like a a thought pops in your head that, in fact, that I really don't deserve to feel. Well, this why would it
4: necessarily time. have the thought pop into my head like that?
1: Because because you're taking the objective attitude. Yes, that's the whole difference. I the Objective we, attitude and everything. I thought we I thought
4: we agreed that it wasn't necessary for the objective attitude to be taken for it to require cognitive load.
0: Wait, what? I can you clarify that one? Well, we're, in, we're regressing, I think, on this.
4: We don't have to discuss it if you want to just move forward.
0: But I, but do you, do you, do? You,
1: can you see a little bit the difference there between just, just I view because 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 mentioning cognitive load there, the idea is that you in fact would be introducing that thought process and that attitude into that situation where it's like, okay, well, you know, it, it, you you are realizing that in a deep sense you really don't deserve to feel shame. You, you know, even though this might've been a terrible thing that happened, it's not a terrible thing that you did, you know, in, in the sense that you weren't, you didn't deserve. I
4: mean, decision. it would still be a thing that I did.
1: I, I, know you you were, I knew you shield. were going to seize on that. I knew it. I <laughs> knew you were going to seize onto that phrasing there. Cause the thing is like, it's it still was a terrible thing that you did, mm-hmm. But but did you, do you think in that moment that introducing the idea that you don't deserve it you know, the feeling of shame in any sort of deep sense would somehow change that experience. Would it change the experience?
4: Well, you're giving me an example where in one instance, I kind of don't reflect at all. And in one instance, I kind of force myself to, right? So there's a clear difference there. What I'm saying is, I don't know if it's a necessity that taking the objective attitude would require me to like kind of do that, you know, Second pass through like what I'm about to like you know do and feel, um and I would
0: compare this, okay, pretend it didn't yeah. then pretend there it, you you actually just naturally embody the objective attitude, sure, what's the difference then you're claiming there's a difference inherently and explicitly actually, so like w- but all we're asking for so we can move forward is. Under your perspective, mm-hmm. what is the difference between taking those two views of yourself in this hyperbolic scenario? I, it's, I it's, honestly am
4: just having trouble describing this without like explo- using behavior, the behavioral framing.
0: That seems extremely strange.
4: So, like, you couldn't go through like what you would be thinking
3: in this, or like thinking, yeah,
0: I can
4: do that. But okay. I, last time I tried to, I feel like I accidentally went into the behavioral. Which is, mean, I would feel like a you know deep sense of loss. I would feel. In which case um, is this? A, this In, is the e- example Adam gave. No, no, no but Sleep, it, are you describing your the, father's funeral? Yeah, or this, yeah, fun yeah. I am or? fully abiding are, the you, attitude without okay, any cognitive objective. load associated okay. with okay. it. I would feel loss, kind of regret. Um, I would feel a sense of shame, just without having to, like without a sense of um, a sense of shame without any agency associated with it. Um, you know, a, a feeling I, that, like, I, actually, I ought to let, be, let,
1: let, let's pause there on that exact yeah. sentence. though. So what does it mean to feel a, a sense of shame without actually feeling you deserve any sort of the directed, um, almost like reproach?
4: I mean, like, it, what, what, I'm what gonna, is this is like very, d- very difficult to like describe. Um, but, I guess it would feel like I would deserve. I mean, this is laying it out like this sounds kind of like robotic, but it would it would feel like a sense like I would deserve kind of a um, like some sort of consequential. Um, why you would demanding you know? or why, but
1: why but why would you though? I mean, if you were adopting the objective attitude, then then you fully recognize that you don't deserve anything. Well, it deserves in a
4: deep sense, as yeah, like a kind it, of local causal aid um oh i don't want to use the word agent like as the local cause of like um shame and embarrassment um like it would
1: it almost sense that you're like viewing like like shame in this case is like you recognize that you deserve some reprisals from others in the community for your behavior and it's expected
4: and even by myself
1: but but why why from yourself
4: well, I mean, in one sense, it's because, you know, I would um, recognize that I wasn't uh, behaving in accordance with, you know, what I thought I ought to. Right. Like, I think it would be inappropriate for someone to sleep in and miss their father's funeral. Yeah, but it right. was
1: outside of your control
0: though. I can't, uh, th- this is going to be very interesting to hear the juxtaposition with what the reactive attitude is at this point. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> like like I, I, wh- where wh- what are okay, now paint me the picture given sure. I don't know what on earth you're going to say now. If you viewed yourself with the reactive attitude, what would you how would you be thinking right now in this scenario?
4: I mean, are we still keeping this
0: a sense that the behaviors are identical. Sure. Or, just well, that makes it
4: super difficult.
0: But you're um, claiming there's a difference, so you got to be able to spell it out. Well, it's the difference. Point. Well,
2: that's true. <laughs> Do we want to? I, I mean, I on guess on don't we
0: No, we just can't let this get away. Like, well, we, I guess it would. This is it right now. Like,
4: yeah. So this is a situation. Let's just outline it again where the two No, addicts- let's
0: not let's not let's just because we know the scenario giffen I, it's okay either admit that you don't actually know what it would look like but let's not circle the wagons for like an eighth time
4: well i guess i was gonna just bring up like the summers, uh the summer sorry summers, um biblical uh, example but that's all like-
0: but that was all about but i actually I, sh- I don't know you have to do that to explain just how you would feel differently. I mean, I thought it would help clarify, but maybe not.
4: I mean, clearly, like there's, I have some confusion, so we can move on if you'd like.
1: I, I think, I think we should move on, as Brian said. I agree. Because I because I, I, I think the next part of the paper is super super interesting. I, I really it is, want to dive it into is. this. Like this is uh It's super interesting.
0: I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> no, I don't dive. Fun, but but just, <laughs> just like just my my whole point, like I, I I wasn't trying to be like a gotcha there, Giffen. But the, like the problem from my perspective is like in this conversation with the four of us, like I don't I don't really know honestly how you're viewing the objective attitude because I'm not sure that like. Y- like if I'm asking you for the difference and you can't spell it out to me, that's like a real, like, I don't know exactly what you're saying at that point. And you oh, yeah, didn't I mean, really even
4: it was, yeah, it was difficult because I don't know that I had previously like differentiated so strongly between the behavioral and like the attitudinal. And like, when you're kind of giving, like, when I'm trying to outline like concrete examples that like in a world where the behaviors are the same, it's kind of difficult. Like, I'm not sure if I know sure. the definite, like the difference between those two fully. Was
1: it, it's it's the fact that like if I, I mean, if I'm my like,
4: thoughts like if my thoughts are like the only difference like in like the world we're talking about like this includes like brain chemistry and stuff um like are my thoughts being different kind of a manifestation of the behavioral or
0: we we, we need I not actually, bring actually, brain I, chemistry into this no
1: no but, but given given on this point though I I think sure. we do actually need to make like a correction in terms sure. of like your conception of this a little bit because the thing yeah. is your introduction of shame and the objective attitude doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it makes sense to Jordan either. Like I, the thing is like, when you said that you would feel some sense of shame, but only in a shallow, a shallower sense, like yeah. it wouldn't, if you, you would recognize that ultimately you are not, you know, responsible for this behavior, but you would feel some, something. Okay. Can I reframe this a the shame little bit?
4: You may, but but, but but
1: but I but I want you to see you that want. point there that that is a reactive attitude in how in how you view yourself like 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 the like the idea of shame is that you you do deserve kind of this this self reproach in a sense
0: um, like I should have done other like I shouldn't have done it's like a real. And, and the objective attitude is actually mutually exclusive with feeling that way. No, it's just, Oh, this is this thing that this uh, series of events of which I was part of, it's unfortunate that occurred. That's not shame. Okay. You see the difference there on that one?
4: Mm, kind of, but maybe not fully,
1: oh, but, but, but do you, it's do you understand why
4: difficult? No, no I'm not but being do- intentionally difficult.
1: But do you, do you see why we would exclude shame from the objective attitude?
4: Well, I mean, I didn't know that my conception wasn't shame. Like what I described seemed to be in accordance with the idea of shame, just not the kind of shame that would, you know, require like agency, like the deep shame.
1: It seemed like your conception of shame was...
2: Like, like you can still, some,
4: I can still like have a conception of shame where like I deserve like punishment for myself and my community because like it was I was acting in such a way that like was bringing negative consequence. Right? Should a machine it,
1: punish itself though that like malfunctions?
0: I mean, if we want behavior to change, yeah. Why? Well, but no, no, no. But that doesn't make any sense. It that's only if you define the machine as requiring punishment to change. But if you're taking the objective at, that doesn't seem that. Is for sure, it, it could even be possible, but it's for sure not necessary. If you actually do embody the objective attitude, why would you need punishment to change? That in itself makes no sense. If you're if, if you actually embody the objective attitude with respect to yourself, you would recognize, oh, this is an unfortunate thing that occurred. Where's the therefore I need punishment so that I will learn? Well, I but guess like I guess. Jordan,
1: just... I, I think I think you actually missed it, Jordan, a little bit on that one because I, I think the idea though is that didn't Giffen just justify the reactive attitude based on consequences?
0: Like, no, I think that it, that's. Is, a, yeah, I think it, that, like, that's it, a different it, like,
1: point. It, no, but like the idea that like, um, it's just like we we can justify it through the consequences that it will have in you know on ourselves on maybe possibly like, you know, if if, you, mm-hmm. if one were to feel shame it acts as some yes. sort of deterrent for but future that, behavior like that. So no, no, you're exactly
0: like, right. But then he went on to say that you can have all of that without taking the reactive attitudes, uh, aka only taking the objective attitude. So I'm at this point, like what the hell is, is he all, referring I, to as, as objective attitude at this point? Well, I mean, That's my I question. I can embody the objective attitude and have
4: made a miscalculation about behavior or um, if
0: that makes sense. No, you're... Yeah, Yes, but get, you're factoring into your own definition, like your own miscalculations that that doesn't make any sense. Like,
1: no, but given your example with the machine, though, like you, the idea, like I asked, like, could a machine, like, why would a machine punish itself? And you said, well, OK, well, if, if it will then act as your like, behavior. I, exactly. Yeah. So so the idea is that, like, shame in this sense, and like mm-hmm. kind of a reactive dessert based attitude would then possibly, you know, as a consequence of that, Result in behavior that you know maybe it uh, was self-corrective in a sense. Better. So wouldn't that be the reactive attitude?
4: Well, what I described as like kind of a recognition of like a need to change for the future without like any conception of agency. Does that not ring as shame, or is that like nothing to you? Like, I'm just not sure how you viewed that.
1: I I don't I don't think the honestly I do I have difficulty imagining how. The two thoughts existing in the head um, mm-hmm. could be possible, like the one where you're consciously holding the thought that you are non-agentic, that this behavior, you are not responsible for this behavior, and that you also feel shame for this behavior. I, I don't see how the
2: two thoughts could be held in the head in, in your head at the same time.
4: Maybe this can help clarify. You, you seem to be like sticking with the point about the um, like two thoughts in the head at the same time.
1: Yeah, because I think they're contradictory.
4: Right. Well, it doesn't need to be a I don't know that there needs to be that conscious thought there. Um, because to me, like the difference and this is maybe this is like a, one of the definitional differences that we had brought up. But to me, Somers, Somers, good Lord. Um, was making the point that you know the difference between the objective and the reactive attitudes, um, like definitionally, is that to take the reactive attitude is to like view the, you know, people as agents, right? That's but, what the but also, is. but
1: also deserving agents in, in the sense that like with with shame, you think you deserve the self reproach, and then the objective attitude is that you ultimately don't deserve the self reproach.
4: Well, to me, the those definitions are like tied together. Like that the, they seem to be synonymous like okay. the deserving can only exist if you're an agent in a you know
1: I'm happy with that. yeah fine. deterministic I'm happy way with that,
4: yeah sure yeah so, but, but, so that is the only definitional difference between the two right in my mind okay in that framing, there's nothing else like tied to it specifically, but there are some like uh, correlating and in the human world that we live in a lot of correlating factors right? This is where I'm going to bring up like the like the religious example from Summers, um, like the uh, uh, Joshua who was like religious, um, but then you know slowly morphed into like an atheist. The difference that is like a I thought was a really good analogy to what I was imagining in like this difference between like the objective and the reactive attitudes, because it is not definitional that it requires like the objective attitude requires a higher mental load. And thus, like in your example, where you said that there were two thoughts existing simultaneously, that doesn't really need to be the case. If you can reframe it a little bit, it Bad is not personally. necessarily like the the inclusion of a thought about non-agency. It can be the lack of a like conceptualization of agency.
1: Okay, but-, right? but, but Does that I mean, make, even does that if, make but, sense? Am I like- it, it, Yes, it, 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 it makes sense that okay. you don't even like necessarily have that like that right. thought per se in your head. Right. But the idea is that you're going to act- on default, um, or by default that you don't have agency, right? If that's your default, then how could you have shame? Like, why, why would, why would that, that directed self reproach?
4: Well, I'm still a human and there are like consequences to that. Like the, the reproach, <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, the reproach I don't can be.
4: <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think we're talking past each other. It,
0: might that, be that's that's also yeah, just to clarify that, that that the sixth section of that paper, the Joshua example, has nothing to do with the cognitive load. That's not the point that Summers was making in that section. It's the point of the psychological possibility about how someone can shift over time. And, and right. it, yeah, but but that, well, I
4: thought the cognitive load thing was relevant because it, you can draw an analogy between someone who is like you know was pre-programmed to understand like God with respect to like everything. The transition would require mental low but eventually he would unthinkingly do it so i was tying that in i understand that that wasn't necessarily exactly the framing that somers was um using it in but i thought it was relevant
1: if, where does that l come from
4: <laughs> the what <S-Somers>. somers Summers.
0: <laughs> Summers. Uh, I, I I would I'm gonna be very upset if we don't actually get to what I think we I, I would can like we to move understand on? is the yeah, most. let yeah, let's see this. Okay, one. let's do it. Um Okay, so all right. So Adam, this this was the section that you were just just really just chomping at the bit to get at. So
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um I'm to for this one. one yeah. Page. Do you wanna so this is 394? So so this is saying so we got we gotta circle back around because that was a long digression that Um, so she's saying, she's saying that even if determinism is true, and even if this implies as a matter of metaphysical fact that we are not free and responsible beings, this, excuse me, doesn't give us any reason to regard ourselves as unfree or unresponsible beings. And now she's going to explain why, um, and well, I guess she, she actually clarifies if we had If we have no reason at all to abandon these practices, then we have nothing we need to override. No value we need to contradict in choosing to keep those attitudes. Our retention to the reactive attitudes need not be viewed as a choice between the lesser of two evils. Okay, now that she just made like a very ambitious claim, and now she's going to justify that.
1: And I also, I think we should skip the case of the addict, because I I think... For time, it actually makes more sense to go to the case of the robot.
0: I agree. And, because just to explain this, I was, I, this is what I took her to be doing, Adam, is she's doing a kind of um, progression where there appears to be distinctions, but there actually aren't any. It's very like a, it's very much a, a paraboom for case, but almost in reverse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So okay.
1: it, it's like she kind of gets to the heart of it with the robot case. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like yeah, um, the attic kind of eases you into the... The argument
0: Let me that. just say really quickly, because I, I do think she, she brings up like a little bit of a difference. So her whole point with the addict is that if the addict is addicted to a drug, he's going to take it regardless of whether he wants to or not because he's addicted. But if he actually like endorses his taking of the drug, then he's proclaiming himself a free and responsible being and saying, yes, I want to take this drug. And if he doesn't want to take the drug, uh, he's proclaiming himself an unfree and unresponsible actor saying, look, I actually don't even want to take this. And yet I do take it. Uh,
1: Brian, Brian, does that make sense to you? This is like, mm-hmm. this is a Frankfurt paper that we read here. Um,
0: yeah. Unfortunately I'll, you also missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this
1: is, this is like something like my favorite logic that we've done so far for <laughs> responsibility where it's like, I love that paper where, where, where it's just like, like one's uh second order volitions in the sense mm. that like, uh, you know, those actually, if, if if one were a free being, one would behave in a way that is, you know, important with perfect you know, one second order of volitions. However, if one's behavior isn't aligned with one second order of volitions, then one actually is almost like an unwilling addict in a sense, and um, isn't morally responsible for that behavior. Obviously, this is all in a shallow sense, but isn't morally responsible for that behavior because they would have done otherwise had they been a free. And uh it's agentic so being so I I I, it's I, so good. I love that logic. Yeah, that's
0: so it's, yeah. it's so good.
1: It, it's my favorite paper that we've done.
0: <laughs> so so Wolf so so Wolf brings that up and then she contrasts it with the case of the robot. Um so I mean Adam, feel free to jump in here, but she says, like, so let's imagine a robot that has been completely programmed. Okay. So it would but oh but she she goes on to say okay but look this takes a human form there's no kind of um there's no valley the the um uncanny valley uncanny valley yeah there's no uncanny valley it doesn't look weird if no one ever told you this was a robot you would never know perfect android less a robot so the robot
1: wouldn't know either
0: exactly that actually very important point yeah So she says that let's assume that the robot's programming is not of any normal or familiar kind. So it's actually the case that this robot is programmed on a day to day or rather moment by moment basis. So it's getting its programming as it's executing it. It's just, it's just a stream of essentially consciousness. I mean, I'm jumping the gun, but this is just how we are like what we're going to do arises when in fact we do it. Um, And she's saying, "Okay, the robot is like this, too. So she says, um, uh, second paragraph 396, in light of the nature of the robot's programming, I believe that the only way of living in accordance with the facts would be by regarding this robot solely with the objective attitude. That is, I believe that the robot is not a free and responsible being in whatever sense of free and responsible the objects of our reactive attitudes are ordinarily assumed to be. Uh, Were we... To be purely rational, we would allow ourselves to feel some emotions towards the robot, but we would not feel those emotions or sentiments constitutive of our reactive attitudes. Uh, Okay. And then continuing, I didn't, so, I mean, she, she goes on to talk about, you know, if it's led into our society, we could, you know, punish it. We could reward it. We could treat it with respect as we would any other human. Um, And so she says, next page 397, let's now assume that after years of thinking himself to be like other humans, other human beings, the robot comes to believe that he is completely programmed, really comes to know that he is um, completely programmed. If at this point we were to adopt the robot's interests as our own, would it be rational for us to urge to the programmer, presumably, that the robot take the objective attitude towards himself? So this is, this is like this. Is so, so just such a just like a thrilling turn in the paper, actually. <laughs> like, so. I mean, OK. Uh, it's, it's worth just continuing to read, honestly, yeah. by, th- by this question, I mean to approach the question would it be rational for the robot to adopt the objective attitude towards himself as closely as my standards of conceptual coherence allow? I am not sure that we can make sense of the question. What would it be rational for the robot to do? Because the answer it's going to do, it just depends on what the programmer is going to do. But on the robot's behalf, we might ask, what is it rational to do? How should he view the uh, view himself and the objective attitude? Okay. So she's here's her answer. So she says, Well, I can imagine some situations in which it might be. If, for example, the robot were an individual unusually tormented by an awareness of his limitations, the belief that he was not responsible for the meagerness of his abilities might be a source of some comfort to him. Or if the members of the robot's community did take the purely rational attitude towards the robot, the robot's own adoption of the purely objective attitude towards himself might allow him to take this treatment less personally. Um, I'll skip that aside. Insofar as we argue that the robot should adopt or try to adopt the objective attitude towards himself for reasons such as these, however, we are not arguing for the adoption of this attitude simply on the grounds that the attitude is appropriate. That is, We are not arguing that the robot should take this attitude simply because of our, his and our value in living in accordance with the facts. Our reasons for urging that the robot should take the objective attitude are rather utilitarian ones. His life will be less painful if he takes the objective attitude towards himself. Okay, let's pause. Okay, so far this checks out to me, right? Like I I take it that she's just saying one can view himself in the objective attitude if it is a utilitarian, AKA consequentialist good. Like if it, if it's, um, this was just to go back, this was one of the most um, incisive parts of the Summers paper. Um, like he talks about, you know, like you just stay up all night, kind of like wringing your hands over guilt and like you should have done differently. Okay, but ah, I mean, at a certain point, like, you know, it's not actually useful sometimes to do that. Like you, you couldn't have done differently. It really sucks that this happened. But sometimes you should take the objective attitude. Just like, look, okay, I can't change the past, but like, just what's the right thing to do moving forward? That okay. So so far, what she's saying checks out to me. Any? Sure. Okay, no quibble so far.
1: That's exactly how how I interpreted that.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, nice. Um, Furthermore, if the robot were programmed to take this attitude. He would not really be taking an attitude that would be in accordance with the facts. Okay, th- this is the ch- this is the change. This is this yeah, is, yeah. This yeah, is no, where I, it just gets crazy. How, okay. How
1: many times did you guys read this paragraph? Oh, I
0: I read this <laughs> paragraph so many times.
1: I, I I went through this one like because I I'm like, how could how what is what is she Dude, saying? Right?
0: I, when I read this the first when I read this paper the first time, I did not get the depth of this point at first. I had to reread no. it. Like
2: no.
0: okay, okay. So let's 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 just read this here. Furthermore, if the robot were programmed to take this attitude, he would not really be taking an attitude that would be in accordance with the facts. In believing that the reactive attitudes towards himself are inappropriate, he would not be accepting all the implications of the fact that he is programmed. He would not be denying his freedom and responsibility completely. For the robot, in taking an objective attitude of himself, necessarily leaves a part of himself out of this view. Specifically, he leaves out the part of himself which is taking the objective attitude. The robot perhaps takes comfort in the fact that he as it were his self is not responsible for his meager abilities or the robot takes comfort in thinking that he is not responsible for the fact that he is merely a robot but the robot's alienation from his abilities on the one hand or from his robotness on the other presupposes a self from whom these things are alienated a self whose fault these a self whose fault these things are not and of course in this example the robot self is itself just the result of his programming okay to here, the extent here's,
1: here's this sen- sentence right here that, that's, that's absolutely
0: wonderful to, to that i have this to the extent that being programmed justifies a denial of responsibility for any feature of the robot's existence it justifies indeed demands a denial of responsibility for every feature of his existence including in particular his denial of responsibility for every other feature okay let's unpack that paragraph yeah let's go let's go it, bottom it, it, to top
1: well yeah especially like the final one here just yes like, okay yes. so so let's go through that again so
0: yes to the
1: extent that being programmed justifies a denial of res- responsibility for any feature of a robot's existence it does okay? so for so, every
0: feature it, yeah th- this is a conditional claim right so she's saying if if being programmed denies your responsibility for at least one any feature of your existence it, it denies it for every feature uh, that seems to be that seems to be logically coherent to me. I put a check next to that.
1: Yes. Okay. So it justifies indeed demands denial of responsibility for every feature for his existence. Yes, including I- his own denial of responsibility <laughs> yes. for every other feature. Yes. So yeah. So so that's that's kind of like the uh, the punchline right there. Yes. Is that. You know, what what she's trying to sort of bring up here is that even if one, you know, this is kind of jumping the gun just a little bit here. But the idea that she's trying to bring up here is that, okay, so even if you take an added, you know, have an attitude shift, you're sort of tipping your hat at the, the idea that you're acting in an agentic manner. In that sense, you view yourself agentically when you decide to take it to take the shift.
0: objective stance. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. When, and when so she's saying and she's saying that that is deeply inconsistent with the thesis of the objective stance. Yes. So the act of taking it nullifies the stance itself.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> First
0: of I, all, I, crazy, crazy point there. Like, and I mean, crazy in like a wonderful set, like that is so Like that is just so original and just so interesting. Like I don't even care what we end up. Like I don't even know. I don't even know what I fully think of that yet. But that is a genius move on her part.
1: Yeah, it's 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 crazy interesting. Like because because I I was like just sitting on my couch before we did this, and I was just (laughs) I I was just kind of like observing, just kind of switching between different attitudes. I know. I know. And just the agentic feeling that you have and regard yourself having as you make that switch like you you don't you don't view yourself as a non-agentic being as you change your attitude like yeah. on, on how you you know you view human behavior it's it's um
0: you know what is interesting i just bet- okay so let's okay i i wasn't planning on doing this didn't i, I think i just betrayed her very point when I was kind of um, giving my, my, uh, you know, I was tipping my hat to Summers and I said, that's a super good point he makes where he says, Oh, you know, you're staying up all night. You're like wringing your hands over this like terrible mistake you made. You hurt someone so badly. Right. And then, and then you actually just, okay, realize
2: oh,
0: what, why am I doing this? This isn't actually helpful. Look, I, I actually couldn't have done otherwise. I'm not cause a suey. Like, Uh, I couldn't have done otherwise. Why am I going to just punish myself all night with these reactive attitudes? Let me try to just shirk them off and take the objective stance and look. Like, this is a terrible thing that happened. Let's see how I can just better the situation moving forward. It seems like there is a... I mean, intrinsic in that, I seem to betray a very agentic stance. Let's not take these reactive attitudes. Let's instead actually just take the objective attitude.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, you, it, you, it, and the thing is, like, like Giffen, think okay. about it this que- way, like, I uh, like, so, well, well I, I want to ask yeah, Giffen this question yeah, yeah. real fast. So, like, because, like, I know Giffen before hopping on the previous podcast was like, actually, I'm after reading this paper, I'm, I'm interested in attempting to take the objective stance here or the objective attitude. Thinking back on that, Giffen, did you find that to be almost like an agentic experience where you had decided before the podcast? to maybe, you know, adopt this objective attitude? Did you, you kind of, kind of thinking back on that critically of yourself, did you find that to be um, almost as though you treated it like a decision? Like that was a decision that you made. Did you view yourself in that light?
2: I
4: think it did feel like a decision that I made
0: yeah I think so okay. okay well what what are what are the implications there uh, uh well okay Giffen giffen if you if you yeah. if you buy if you just said that then do you buy her um I think you did actually you previously i think you either nodded or unmuted real quick and said yes you said you just buy that um, to the extent that any feature is uh uh just unjustified every feature is including the denial of every other feature or or the the denial of responsibility um so are you how do you see that intersecting with your other views
4: i'm not sure uh this would be a good thing to kind of discuss if there's a a contradiction there um i I kind of see her point um well, I guess first I did agree with like what she was um, conceptualizing
0: about like the robot. Was that not a good thing to say? I just don't get what's the, what are you saying? What's the, what's the point? I, I would, that, I did would... you cut out? No, I'm here.
1: No, no. Can, can, we, can we actually read her conclusion real fast? Before yeah. We kind of dive yeah. Into yeah. This? yeah. No, not, not the entire conclusion, obviously, but just the uh, the part where she kind of reiterates this point because I thought she put it even better when she was like summarizing her argument. Um,
4: All right, repeat the, like, the phrase.
1: Yeah, like let me find that real fast here.
0: Well, so so the point that Wolf is making here is that in taking the objective attitude, which I'm curious if you, like I just want to hear your reactions to this. We're not, there's a bit of reticence, I think, about this point if you're taking the objective attitude and that act of taking it is an agentic one, but the objective attitude in its, tota- in its totality would deny that you could re- take responsibility for anything or AKA feel as though you were an agent in doing anything. Um, uh, it doesn't that percolate back then. And the very act of taking that stance seems to be in conflict with that stance if taking the objective attitude is denying responsibility for all of your features um, yet you have to feel as though you're going to take the objective stance. Do you see that as a contradiction? I'm not sure. To be yeah, frank. Can
1: I, can I read this wonderful paragraph here? Mm. So <laughs> sorry. I, I, I know you were having a little discussion there, but I, I think this will like just further clarify the issue. Cause I, I think she puts it wonderfully here. So she said, we first considered the suggestion that the recognition that as a matter of metaphysical fact, we were not free or responsible beings. Uh, We were not free or responsible beings would give us a reason to regard ourselves as unfree, unresponsible beings. It would give us a reason that is to replace our present reactive attitudes with the objective attitude toward ourselves and each other. But we saw that this change would fail to achieve its purpose. It would not satisfy the desire to live in accordance with the facts, for it is only rational to take some particular attitude toward ourselves in the context of the belief that we are, at least in our capacity as attitude takers, free and responsible beings. Therefore, we would know we would be no less r- irrational if we chose to take the objective attitude than if we chose to take the other alternative. <laughs> Dude, that like the is idea that so be- original. Yeah. Like the idea that you could just, you know, adopt a different attitude implies that you're viewing yourself agentically that as though like you're making that decision. Mm.
2: Yeah.
4: It's almost like, can you take, can you choose to take the objective attitude from like a stance of an objective attitude? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure.
0: Is it something that I'll have to reflect on?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I cause this is, uh...
0: so Adam, I've got, I've got a few questions for you about this. Okay. So this is like, this, this, this point just like fills me with excitement because I don't, I don't fully know kind of exactly where I stand, what I, so, okay. Let, let's kind of think this through here. So she's, she's, she's making this point that like taking the objective attitude doesn't really make any sense because you have to take it with respect to yourself. Um, and, and in the act of taking the objective attitude, you betray the thesis of the objective attitude, essentially. That's, yeah. her, that's her point as you understand it as well, right? Okay. I, I can't get over how just original, I just, I don't know why I'm like just, just kind of like m- mockishly like ogling over that, but it's so, I just love that cool. point. Know, it, it's great. It's such a cool <laughs> point. And I don't even know if I agree with it yet, but it's so good. No,
1: I, I don't, I, that's why I wanted to hop on. I know. On this and okay. Okay. This out, okay. I have no idea either.
0: So let's think this through here. So there is, I don't know what I think about this, but here's just a related thought. So, Phenomenologically or subjectively, it is true that I can really actually fully notice my lack of agency from time to time, right? So if I'm if I'm paying attention to just talking right now, I actually don't really kind of know what I'm going to say, where I'm going to stutter, hesitate, misspeak, any of those things, right? It's all a mystery to me. And in the same way, I can kind of notice um, other actions in that way too. What are more quintessentially intentional actions, right? Um, and you've had that experience too. Sure. Okay. That's the, okay. That, so that's a subjectively true fact that I have to, t- that has to fit into this picture somehow, because that is just a phenomenologically true for me.
1: Sure, but I, but I think in this case right here we almost have to well, imagine ourselves yeah. like like in like the philosophy discourse, looking at two different attitudes that we could potentially take, right? Like there's yes. like these constant debates going on, like should we take the reactive, should we take the objective? Well, that, it's like you beat me in the like, punch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like it's like okay, well, <laughs> you deciding on one, like it's yes, it's yes, it's an agentic experience.
0: So 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 what I'm thinking, so y- y- exact same thought process we we're going towards there. So. If if because there there seems to be, it seems to, to be that that can be subjectively true, um, and yet that can map on to me both taking the reactive attitudes towards myself and the objective. So it's not enough. In other words, right? Um, like the kind of like you, the, can you like
1: can you almost like fall into the objective attitude, in the sense oh, yeah, that yeah, like yeah, there's. Yeah well i mean like in the sense that like we're talking about like always taking right oh no so so like it would be almost like a uh it would be like a cognitive decision like this would be something like you're aware of taking this yeah. attitude could that ever be a non agentic experience like i i just like actively maybe we can
4: compare this to a like a, a different example that's like kind of similar like can you even like To decide to take the bus non agentically? I don't know if that's
0: helpful for comparison, but it seems like it might be. Well, so it's clear that you can kind of, so subjectively, I think it's obvious that you can find yourself taking the bus. You can kind of like, you can notice the fact that you deciding to take the bus comes out of nowhere. But you are still deciding to take the bus in some sense
2: will we, um, we consider
0: that an agentic experience then
4: cuz i'm genuinely not sure how you guys are like wrapping your heads around this cuz to in, me I, like i might be useful to like compare like the bus example to the you know objective attitude taking I'm um, just to well, clarify but... if
0: it's conceivable in the first place I, i'm 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 Thinking though that like my own raising of that point is slightly it's related, but it's slightly, it's not fully orthogonal, but it's on a tilt to this point because I take her point to be an extremely practical one, right? Like she's saying in life, we're either going to take the objective stance or the, um, reactive stance uh and if we are defaulting i think as all humans do like i think someone's just honestly someone's just lying if they say they don't naturally default to the reactive stance like i can depending
1: think, on the depending on the situation of course of course know, i was like saying they, so, they never
0: yeah so, yeah yeah so
1: so i think the idea is that you default somewhere right yeah so so any circumstance well, was, you're going to yeah. default somewhere but then we're talking about a taking of the objective attitude of all the time. So to override that default is almost like an agentic experience, at that point where you're making a decision to adopt mm-hmm. the objective attitude.
0: Even, and, and I think even her point can be a temporal one, where if you get yourself to the point where you're like a Buddhist monk who's reached uh, enlightenment and you actually, you just actually witness everything in that non agentic sense wolf might respond i would assume is saying okay but at some point you chose to undertake that endeavor right so even yeah. someone and this is a slightly different thing than than viewing yourself as that but someone who accomplishes summer's aim and embodies the objective attitude in their totality okay but at some point you had to make the decision to do that that is viewing yourself under the lens of the guise of responsibility that is in uh that is conflicting with the objective stance. So it's a temporal contradiction at that point for Wolf, but nonetheless a contradiction, right? So they, no. so you couldn't get out of it by doing that either. Um, so. Taking the objective stance. And, and I, so, okay, here's another question. Here's another question. Is her point against the objective attitude only one that is relevant in its totality? because I mean, we got we got to remember like that is the scope of this paper and the previous one so it's about a totality claim that her claim seems to be less poignant if if you are looking at it as sometimes it is justifiable to stay in reactivity and sometimes it is justifiable or obligatory to take the objective stance then her point is like okay sure but that's just you're trying to take a moral decision or not, or you could be immorally taking the objective stance, you know? Um, Yeah. This seems to be, Oh, sorry. And and it's
1: all about like, in this sense, it's taking the reactive or objective stance with respect to yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. yes, You know what I mean?
1: Like, so, um, and, and like, you know, she I, I think, you know, she acknowledges that there are cases where we take the objective stance towards others. Sure. And she, obviously, she doesn't actually go into any detail like, you know, your thoughts on this where one should and shouldn't. And, sure. you do, know, do you or, do you
0: think I'm right, though, where where her thesis is really exclusively aimed at the person who says I can take the objective attitude totally?
1: Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that's yeah. How I read this paper. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying even like, obviously, that was her intention. But I think logically, it's it, it really doesn't intersect as much with someone who's doing it from time to time.
1: Yeah, not at all.
0: Okay, okay. I, I, okay.
1: I wouldn't say not, I would say
0: not. No, I would say not at all. I, I think that it is actually really narrowly aimed at this. She's pointing out the impossibility. Logically, this is not a psychological claim. Um, but like, logically, it is, it is incoherent. Even, even temporally, um, to take the objective stance without admitting that you have to act under the guise that conflicts with it to do that.
1: Yeah, like let, let me let me read that one little sentence again because I, I think it's like the kicker is really about the attitude toward ourselves. So let me read that one again. There. Okay. For it is only rational to take some particular attitude toward ourselves. In the context of the belief that we are at least in our capacity as attitude takers, free and responsible beings. Mm. So if we're gonna take an attitude toward ourselves, implicit in that is that we are you know, capable of taking attitudes as free and responsible beings. Like if you know if you adopt an attitude towards yourself, one that you hold, mm. but you're you're kind of admitting that you're someone that can hold attitudes kind of freely and responsibly if you, you know, um, Is that the case? Someone
0: typing. (laughs) Uh, Oh, sorry. Continue.
1: (laughs) Okay. Giving, giving, go, you go ahead. Oh, Um, I was just
4: wondering if that's necessarily the case. I'm not sure if that feels as intuitive to me as it does to you guys.
1: I, I understand like some, like the issues with it in the sense that like, um, do you think that one could take an attitude toward oneself, like the objective attitude, if one didn't think they were capable of taking, an adi- of taking attitudes freely?
4: Well, we have attitudes towards other people that we may not ultimately recognize as being free and responsible beings. Can
0: you repeat? I missed the question. Can you repeat? I was making a note.
1: Yeah. um, The question is like, is it? I'm
0: sorry. Giffen's original question, not yours. Sorry.
1: Okay. Giffen, go ahead.
4: Oh, I was just asking what Adam had said um, about the self view, like whether it's, uh, you can, Adam, correct me if I'm like getting the wording slightly off, but it's like, um, when, if you're taking the self-view, is it like possible to take that, you know, an attitude towards yourself um, without recognizing that you're
0: a free and responsible being. Does that sound about right, Adam? Well, I don't think it has to do with recognizing, but it's, she's saying implicit in taking an attitude. Like, because because you, I mean, we all actually, you included, betrayed this uh, implicitly when we all kind of were like, because we were talking about it before we even got to this point. And we were like, okay, but... I was talking about the hand wringing on the bed. Let me just take this attitude with respect to myself. It's not that you have to have this. It's not that you have to have this theoretical endorsement of I will act as if I'm an agent and take this. It's that implicit in that act is the is the view of yourself as acting under the guise of responsibility. It's not that it has to be like implicitly endorsed by you. I take it as is Wolf's point. It's a, it's a logical and I, and I- claim
1: also yeah exactly because it's focus on the rationality of it i think like that word is really important in this case that it's only yeah. rational to to adopt some attitude toward ourselves you know if we think that we're capable of adopting <laughs> attitudes freely what a, what a cool point like do you like is is that is it irrational to do otherwise like what do you think or brian or anyone <laughs>
4: That's a thinker. That's it. I mean,
3: I don't, I'm not really following right now. Say that again.
1: So, the idea that you would adopt some attitude towards yourself, right?
3: Yeah. It's It's, mm -hmm. it's, contradictory. Yeah. It's only (laughs)
1: rational to adopt some attitude about yourself if you think that you're capable of taking attitudes freely
3: right dude i just yeah. connected I mean, with we the already rest- discussed that place oh, oh. It,
0: it really sunk okay. into me right now this point's connection with the rest of the paper <laughs> Like I got it intellectually, but I just really like really hit home now. Because remember, living in accordance with the facts was supposed to be this massive gravity, this massive pull towards not taking the towards taking the objective attitude. If we want to live in accordance with the facts, you know, damn it, don't you get it? That means taking the objective stance. She's pointing out that there's actually no reason why that's true, Mm -hmm. because there is an inherent contradiction in taking the objective attitude. Of that contradiction we've been belaboring for 20 minutes at this point. But like that, but okay, boom, that doesn't even live in accordance with the facts at that point. So neither attitude does that. Now there's no competing value between the reactive stance, the value of which is that it constitutes our interpersonal relationships, and the value of taking the objective stance in its totality, which is living with the facts because of that contradiction i I, like for that's just that's just like the paper just jigsaw locked in for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. what a i don't actually give a damn if you think this point is like nonsense or not but what an amazing structure of a paper like what an amazing
3: like dude it's it's a
2: 10
1: out of 10
0: paper it's a 10 out of 10 paper i don't even care you could disagree with every point she makes and it's a 10 out of 10 paper
1: so and and and
0: Oh no i I lost the uh, i lost the additional thing there. Oh shit! Well, c- I, I, I
1: think yeah, but 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 like so, like the idea is that like so, adopting like the objective attitude towards oneself, as though one is a free and responsible being, is irrational, and therefore one isn't really living in accordance with the facts at that point. So um,
0: wow, and she concludes on page 400, the truth of determinism then gives us no reason at all to replace our present reactive attitudes with the objective attitude. It's like that that, that is the therefore there. and And so I, I take it that holy shit actually is, is her is her Okay, help me out here. Is her project actually now extre- or at least the grounding, extremely similar to everything that I've been saying without knowing that it was like talked about in this paper, where now we actually, okay, we have the value of the reactive attitudes in that they are they constitute interpersonal life. Interpersonal life is a good thing. Okay, we have that. And we have the option then. Now, okay, he, who he, okay, this is maybe what I don't know if I, this might be the only thing I disagree on. I I don't know if I do or not. It seems so would Adam, do you think that she would agree with the statement as follows? Determinism does not give us a reason to replace our present attitudes with the objective attitude. That's totally true. However, it does open the door to taking the objective attitude, not in its totality, but in partiality. I, I think that that seems um, I, I coherent,
1: mean, yeah, yeah, but they just wouldn't be on the grounds of living in accordance with reality i think I think that that's that's what she's trying to take down in this case right here like yeah. Cause, yeah,
2: yeah because
1: well, like, say... your your examples of you know when one could take the objective attitude are almost... They're, they're they're for more... consequentialist yeah exactly can,
0: can I say something because that's a, you, you made me think of a really cool point okay. They are in accordance with the facts, but in a completely different way. So there's almost two senses of being in accordance with the facts here. Um, the taking the objective stance can be constant. Follow me here. I, I, what? Let me follow myself here because I'm just thinking through. Okay. Taking the objective attitude can be consequentially justified, right? Um, it can be consequentially justified because it tends to produce or let's say just does in one example, better outcomes, it produces better outcomes. We would assume because namely the behavioral uh, change that follows from allowing yourself to analyze it like that under the objective stance works better, working better tends to correlate with actually conforming with reality closer, right? Like I could view someone and look like this traumatic experience that they underwent or their brain tumor or their ex, right? Deterministic details about them is forcing them to behave in certain patterns. I'm gonna take the objective stance and look at how to deal with that person. So, in that, but that's a different. So that's living with
1: but but, but this is with respect to yourself, of course, of course. Remember, like, saying, like, like yeah. that, that's the big distinction there is like of with course. respect to oneself when taking attitudes.
0: Well, but so. so 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 I'm actually not disagreeing with Wolf here at all, but I think that uh, but I think that that's true with yourself too. Like you could, you could, but it's not in its totality. That's the, that's the huge difference here is I think in its totality, because if I take the objective stance towards myself, it's the same reasoning as with respect to another, right? Like I happen to succumb to, if I do X, then I will helplessly do Y, or at least I have in the past. There's no reason to think I won't in the future that is living in accordance with the facts insofar as i make the right calculations about myself but sure. it doesn't succumb to this logical fallacy because i am admitting that i'm sort of taking that stance um and i'm not saying that i take taken as totality so actually it's so so the partiality is not in contradiction with it and living with accordance living in accordance with the facts can still be valuable as she goes on later in the paper to actually you know, discuss why it's valuable um, in the partiality view. And that's why it actually leads to better consequences sometimes. So it's like totally, it's just, it's, it actually totally yeah. is congruent.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with all that. So yeah, I, I just like, I mean, <laughs> was, yeah, this, this, this paper is crazy. I this mean, pa-
0: okay, this paper, <laughs> so I read this paper, I read it again and then I reviewed it and then, and then we discussed it and it was like each time I, I each time there was just a cascade of meaning that poured out of it that i did not realize was there the previous time
1: yeah i mean like i like i read it once and didn't really understand the paper <laughs> no. and then i and then I, and then i spent today reading it and i probably spent like two and a half hours on it's this single so paper rich. and just it's so just rich. making sure i was understanding the points and when i got you know to the robot section i read it a few Dude. times and then Dude. it hit and i was like oh
2: I'm like, <laughs> it's so good, it's
1: so, so, dude. Yeah. Dude, she 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 pops off like Frankfurt does in his
3: pap paper. Yeah,
1: dude. So yeah,
3: my I don't know.
1: I, it's yeah. like uh, like I I don't know like what you other guys think about like you know uh, Brian and Giffen, but like does does that does that strike you as a powerful sentence that it's you know irrational to adopt attitudes toward oneself and implicit in adopting those is acting agentically.
4: It doesn't ring as true for me, but that's just a case of I probably need to just read through it fully again to fully conceptualize because I'm not sure. I I I just don't feel it as intuitively um, personally.
2: Hmm.
4: I follow her
3: argument and agree on the soundness. It's just, it is, there's an emotional part of me. Like, I don't want that to be
0: the case, I guess. Wait, don't want what to be the case?
3: That uh, you're, that like, you can't kind of impose this view on yourself because that'd be irrational.
0: Well, so be careful here because she's not, I don't think she's saying that you couldn't take the objective view with respect to yourself in in specific moments or even in certain circumstances or over perhaps even long stretches of time the cuz that so that's totally logically coherent the thing that is incoherent from her perspective is taking it is taking the objective stance in its totality because the very act of taking the objective stance assumes that you're acting under the guise of agency and responsibility wait
3: but you can take it after some
0: X period of time no okay then what was your
3: first point about
0: so it's about totality versus partiality right so so she's right. she's saying so over, okay. okay
3: yeah oh sorry go ahead so over some time you can take the you can take the stance you can take the objective stance that was your first point correct
0: yeah like at, at, at time zero you haven't yet taken the objective stance at time one you've taken the objective stance Right, Like that's just how it has to be. Like any decision is like that. I mean, that's yeah. Okay. Wait, right. Like that. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no. That, I, I, okay. Okay. It seems
3: redundant to me, I guess. Yeah. It's like any decision can be taken for well,
0: some period of time. Okay. Well, well, yeah. But I mean, each step uh, might seem redundant until she links yeah, it together. I, well, I, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was reading into it too much. Okay. Okay. So, so she's okay. So at, at time one, once you've taken the objective attitude with respect to yourself in its totality, that entails that view of yourself entails that you are not responsible for anything about your constitution or what you do. Right. Yeah. Okay. However, in order to take, so in branching from time zero to time one, you have to take the objective stance, which means acting as if you Actually, do have agency and responsibility for what you're doing. Like, I, I have to take this stance. Like, it's an it's an act that you do. Right. That is incompatible with the thesis of the objective attitude in its totality, which is you're not responsible for anything. Because if you're not responsible for anything, then how
3: could you choose to take the objective exactly stance. exactly? So how so how? Isn't that what I said?
2: Oh,
0: how, I don't,
3: how, What was different about what I said?
0: I don't. I wasn't sure okay. because you said I, I don't want it to be true but I wasn't because so yeah. So she's not saying that it's incoherent or irrational or logically inconsistent to take the objective stance towards yourself from time to time. But this imaginary person summers, actually early summers who thinks that you can take the objective stance towards yourself and everyone else, but table that Mm -hmm. always, well, they're being inconsistent because if they're saying, well, I'm just living in accordance with the facts and the fact is that determinism is true. And therefore I'm going to take the objective attitude with respect to myself all the time in, in taking, in taking the objective stance, you are being inconsistent with its thesis. Mm -hmm. So you're not actually living in accordance with the fact facts by taking either attitude, uh, because, Mm -hmm. because you have to take, because this, you know, because that
3: feature that um, deciding whether or not you want to take the determinist attitude is being yeah okay exactly exactly and now she look, says look, yeah oh, but yeah you, i don't you, I, okay
2: I I, just want to play, <laughs> I I just
3: want to play
1: around with this just a little bit uh-huh. in the sense that like um it's like okay so can can you take the added the objective attitude consistently While recognizing that you're not responsible at all for your adoption of the objective attitude,
3: I to me yes,
0: and wisdom that's kind of what wisdom is, right? To be honest, Adam, I even think so. I I don't know if this is like uh, it's I it's probably psychologically very impossible, but I probably I think that I mean let's just even if you grant that someone could actually get themselves to where they did live in the objective stance with respect to themselves or everyone else. I mean, a, we already said this, but they initially had to make that choice. So it's still inconsistent qua her point, but the objective stance, it it actually, the objective stance, doesn't seem to necessitate that you live like a Buddhist monk and you're just, experiencing all of these things washing over you all it is is that you're viewing no one yourself included as deserving of of praise or blame or desert, and thereby viewing them I know giffen and summers will quibble with this but viewing them as an object in that sense so can your question is can you do that and is that somehow inconsistent with even the objective stance towards yourself? It's clearly not towards others. It's clearly not towards others, yeah. but could it be towards yourself? Um,
1: I don't know. Like, I, I definitely think like, I not all the questions are resolved for me. I mean, like, I know I was all excited there but yeah. because because it's a wonderful thought, but I'm just wondering, like.
0: There kind of how... seems to be a sense in which it's not that inconsistent.
1: Yeah. I, I just, I just wonder, like,
0: but that's not, I mean, just, just for the audience, we're not disagreeing with her overall point because we're talking about in certain circumstances, right, Adam? You and I, we're talking about... Well,
1: things. no, I, I'm I'm talking about just the idea of, like... Um, I mean,
0: well, you, you she would said, obviously like... The, you know, didn't she the say it was...
1: transition, which would be, you know, if... What were you saying, Adam? Sorry, I, I think I cut out there.
0: I think you that. did, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I obviously there's, like, the... Um, the first instant of like adopting the attitude. But I'm just trying to think of like.
2: um,
0: So you're imagining, let's let's take an example of someone that is born or created without the ability to take reactive attitudes. They always just live with the objective attitude. Is that some sort of a weird counterexample to her thesis?
1: Yes, that's exactly where I'm going with
0: that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Um, because
1: obviously it's unrealistic, but I'm just thinking like. um,
0: Conceptually.
1: Yeah, just conceptually, like just kind of recognizing. You
0: know what's interesting? I th- here's what I think about that. It is uh, not a counterexample, but not because it's wrong. <laughs> so, so okay, so that so that okay, it's not wrong because that person would be living in accordance with the facts, right? But I think that that thought exam- it, example that that scenario isn't actually it it kind of no longer ceases to be relevant almost because that's not really a person in the sense that they actually i i I feel like um if you're if you're born without the ability to kind of take those reactive attitudes then it's not then the entire aspect of choice goes out the window so then to say oh well it's living in accordance with the facts because you never have to make the choice to do it that's almost just saying like that's just saying like, Can like a, a person mar- not make any choices then
1: I'm, I'm just i'm just like trying to think of like back to like the robot example of just like yeah. I'm, I'm just literally thinking out loud right now so yeah yeah go nowhere that's but i'm thinking of like like we, like we created like, you know, two robots in a sense where one was programmed to take the objective attitude from its creation.
0: Only right? the objective attitude. Yeah. Only
1: the objective attitude. And, um, yeah,
0: another could take one,
1: both. another one that could take. Both. Okay. Yeah. So like, like examining, like, like <laughs>
0: cause the, that's just <laughs> us. <laughs> that's just like, imagine a human who, right. Like that's just the same thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
1: So in like the case of like the robot, it can only take the objective attitude. It has always taken the objective attitude. It's like um, could that robot at that point then state as a matter of fact that its attitude is fully in accordance with the facts, in that, what? What? um, in that that is a redeeming quality. Of the objective attitude, in the sense that um, for another being that can adopt either attitude, Hmm. that being would then need to undergo some sort of (laughs) contradiction in the sense that it would have to act agenically or view oneself agenically to adopt the objective attitude. But that,
0: yeah, her claim may need modified. in, in being the type of being that it is worth being, this is inconsistent, right? <laughs> in, in being the type of being that like- You is think just... it would
4: not worth being the
0: objective robot then? No, no. Like, like obviously not. I don't uh, think it's obvious. Well, yeah, I know, but I don't think that you, I mean, I don't- I'll just like, clarify. Yeah, but you I don't think anything. you're connecting with like, I mean, we've got, this has been like the last two episodes, but I just don't think you're actually connecting with I, like, I don't know what to make of your view. I mean, we'll cut this out, but like, I, I don't know what to make of your view because when I ask you to spell out the difference, you're unable to. So I don't even know like how you're viewing this debate still. Sure. But, I, but I'm saying like, from my perspective, Adam, like I think her her thought experiment or, or her thesis may be like, okay, for a being who has the capacity uh to or the default even to take either stance, uh, then it is inconsistent. Uh and for a being who actually doesn't have the ability to take either stance, um it is it is not inconsistent, but because of a very strange setup and circumstances. Like it it wouldn't connect. yeah, but yeah. But,
1: uh, but but the thing about like the example though is that it just gives us like another sort of lens in which to kind of like choose between the two scenarios right yeah excuse me where it's like okay one 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 could be one of these beings and you know we don't have the option to be one of these beings but say we did sure right? yeah yeah and one of the benefits of being the being that you know adopt i mean there'd obviously be like you know tons of like you know <laughs> obvious detractors from you know fully adopting the objective mind uh, attitude and of course but yeah but one could point to that situation if one were to choose between the two you would be in that circumstance you'd be acting agentically in the sense mm-hmm. that you think you have like the option to between you know to choose between the two of these you're like you know um but once you make that decision then you would fully adopt one of these scenarios <laughs> you know what i mean so, it's yeah, like, yeah. So, so you can kind of like assess the two in a sense where it's yeah. like where you would have some redeeming nature to the objective attitude in the sense that it is in accordance with determinism like the attitude one has yeah. about life does you know accord with the facts
2: I
0: honestly, but but, but it's a I, it's a
1: wild thought experiment. I no, wanna, I'm just
0: I need to think about it like more. Because the 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 problem is like I've had so many just mind explosions over the past like two and a half hours reading this paper. I I don't know. Like I don't know if like I get your point. I just in order to actually know what I think about it, I knew I'd need to think about it more. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and and Giffen, you like it too because the thing is like the idea is that I think it removes that contradiction in a sense because as beings that view ourselves agentically when making the decision would then just like almost like the experience machine in a sense, just like get wiped <laughs> and then just become that being. So like that was like a previous state in a sense. Um, you would now be a being that is kind of remade in a sense. Of,
0: well, it would still be, wouldn't she still be able to say it would be contradictory across time though, right? Like in order to like once you're in that state, it wouldn't be contradictory. But that seems to be kind of no, a weak.
1: No, you're a different being though.
0: Wait, you're a different she... being.
1: Because you're 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 choosing between two scenarios. So so like the the idea is that it's not going to be robot Jordan. It's going to be just like um there there is like a discontinuation even... between like you and you, this could being just, that you, would you could even just you,
0: you, yeah, you could say you could yeah
1: you uh, could. I I think it I think it would be because currently Jordan could adopt the objective attitude. Right? It would
0: be so stark a change as to be just like because because normally change doesn't happen like that. But this would be so stark a change as to fundamentally just alter up perhaps the majority of who you are.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't be able yeah. to ad- adopt the reactive attitude anymore. So this this yeah. would be like a different being. In a sense. Okay. So
0: it's a totally different. Like, game.
1: um, because you you can you can choose to be like, um, I mean you can kind of switch between attitudes right now. Like, you know, as I'm talking to you, different. Like, you could kind of just step back for a second and then just <laughs> view me as just like
0: what you are.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just you know, I just you know, a primate babbling over here right now. Or or you could or you could like really kind of connect with me and just be annoyed at me. You know what I mean? And just like and just like and to feel deep just annoyance just with, with, with Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like just so like the uh just you would like no like longer the,
0: be able to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that anymore in this other scenario. It would just yeah. be like you you would just hold the one kind of removed mindset of just like, you know, viewing me as you know, a, a highly complex
0: robot. Mm. So, I've got to think about it more. I think we should. I think we should wrap the episode up, though, because yeah. even with even with a little editing, it's going to be a long ass episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this was honestly, though, this was one of the biggest. Um, I'll say for me personally, like this was one of the biggest divides between what I thought I would value in the paper coming into the episode and leaving the episode. Like for, for whatever reason, I got how it fit together, but it didn't fit together for me.
1: When I when I spent a good period of time today, I, I it it the the light bulb went off, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a good episode.
0: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was. So. I, I was so glad. I actually we just like dug through the paper because that was, I mean, that was you know, excavating just getting that out of the paper, but it was well worth it.
1: He's a fun writer too.
0: Oh, yeah, really good writer. Um, Okay. Well, I don't know how long this will end up being, but if you're still listening, uh, thank you for doing so. And tune in next time uh, to continue the Moral Responsibility Series.